Hi, welcome to Sawnut Radio. We just published 100 episodes. Woo! We'd just like to say thank you so much to all of our listeners who've supported us over the years, be that our new patrons who are supporting us financially, and all the people who've interacted with us on Twitter who've given us words of encouragement by doing reviews and sending us emails and otherwise interacting with us in different ways. Thank you so much. You guys keep us going and honestly we would not be doing this at all if it weren't for you. If you would like to contribute to the future of Swordnut Radio, please consider going to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash radio and throwing us a couple of bucks. Every bit helps, especially as we're about to transfer to a new service provider, which is going to cost a little bit more, but it's going to be more reliable and is going to give us better stats and tracking and less problems than, than we've had so far. So... This episode is a bit of a ramble cast. We just sat down in Kate's flat with one mic in the centre of the room and just started gabbing. So we're going to cover a lot. It's a very, very long episode and I thought about splitting it down into two, but eh, it's it's one conversation, so you can have an extra long episode. But there won't be an episode next week because we have to sync up our release of the Call of Cthulhu session that we did with Harry Roll at the Futureworks studio so that we're both releasing the episodes at the same time so no one's missing out. So this one can tide you over. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff here, and we ramble loads as well, because it's us. We mention things that have been on the show, we mention things that haven't been on the show, we mention stuff from gaming before Swordnet Radio was even a thing, and what we'd like to do in the future, and all that sort of stuff. So if you have any thoughts about any of that, or you'd like to know more about some of the things that we touched on, like you're intrigued as to how to tear apart the keep on the Borderlands, or how Adam and Biddy managed to play two characters who are literally insane and have been playing the same storyline in D&D for about five years. Get in touch, swordnutradio at gmail.com for emails. That's swordnutradio at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at swordnutradio, or you can find us on Facebook where the other members of the cast are more active. So, on with, let's call it a show, I suppose. Here's Swordnut 101. Great. <clears throat> okay. Let's, let's, let's get on with the topic, shall we? What is the topic? <laughs> the topic is... Hi, welcome to Sonic Radio! Hi! Yeah. We've been recording for half an hour already. <laughs> Time flies when you're... <laughs> Bullshitting! Not paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this is going to be episode 101. Uh, episode 100 is the um, second of... Well, second half of the first... So Sword Spectre. Come on, do it properly. Sword not 101. Oh, no. When yeah. does Frank Skinner get here? Uh, Frank Skinner's already here. We killed the name. Yeah, uh, the strip is late. Football is not coming that. home. So uh, we we've 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 we thought we'd like um, have a bit of discussion episode and stuff. That was substantially softer than I was expecting. Yeah, it's because they've been out of the fridge for a while now. Episode title. Very nice. Soft and tasty. Chocolate salty balls. That's all that's running through my head now. Sorry, I thought I was just being sexist. I didn't realise I was going into soft. You want it to be hard, generally. It really depends on the gender. We're talking about different things now. I think so. Entirely depends on what you're talking about. Yeah, context. Context If I get into a situation like that and I find something hard and stiff, I'm running. (laughs) 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 Uh, We will talk about stuff eventually. Eventually. Um, so I've got a couple of little talk, uh, talking points or whatever, and like the first two, uh, which take a lot of space on this post that I made, um, I'm probably going to take ah, a very little should time. We, should we not introduce ourselves? Why the fuck does anyone know who the because fuck we, we, we <laughs> <get> the, <laughs> If you're listening to this episode and you don't already know who we are, 
Why? Why? Is you do know who we are. Why? I'm disappointed I didn't bring my gaming stuff with me because then we could all sit here with labels saying Biddy and Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I've got masking tape. We can write on the masking tape. That never works. So, okay, let's, well, let's introduce ourselves. Um, this is episode 101, and with me is Adam. Biddy playing Biddy. Dave playing Dave. Kate playing Natalie Portman. <laughs> um, yeah! Paul playing your worst nightmares. So, what you do when you masturbate? You pay her, yourself and Natalie Portman at the same time. Split personalities are so convenient. <laughs> yes, they would be. I kind of generating in my case, though. I love my many wives. In my life. Is that was that many wives or mini wives? Is that is that both, what's in the cupboard in there? Both. I have a collection of miniature wives yeah. that I keep in jars. I'm just thinking now is that, you don't see many dwarf people these days. What well, no, they're called little people, aren't they? Sorry, uh, my apologies. Ooh. Yes. All, all, yeah, I'm, no. all I'm going to say is come join us on the poly side. We have biscuits. <laughs> I like this what sort of biscuits. <laughs> Fuck biscuits. The best kind. <laughs> Well, I suppose it, dep- it depends on the They get a lot of cookies. The biscuits everyone agrees on, the only biscuits everyone agrees on, or do you have all biscuits for all people? All biscuits for all people, because if, if you get a biscuit that everyone agrees on, it just ends up being a chocolate digestive. Yeah, of course. Oh, I love a chocolate There's nothing nuts. wrong with a chocolate digestive. Chocolate hobnob. It's just, you know... Hobnobs are too far towards the end of the curve. There's some people who don't like the hobnob. Yeah, but I don't like hobnobs. <laughs> Of course, my brain is going to what sex act each of these cookies could be. <laughs> <laughs> the chocolate hobnob is a luxury for some people. Sometimes, Dave, a biscuit place. is just a biscuit. <laughs> I, I am partial to the Viennese world. <laughs> I think uh, there was a Prussian king who had a chairmate for that. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it sounds like no, um, Viennese fingers. <laughs> Now, we're just talking about Sigmund Freud's kinks now. Yeah. How many fingers does that massive Kit Kat have in it? Is it four or five? <laughs> four oh, the Bill, the Bill Bailey one. The, the giant Kit Kat that's got, it's like two Kit Kats that's together. Uh, uh, oh, that, was, that was the normal Kit Kat, the, the two bit, the two finger one in my recent development. I, I have always wanted to do Bill Bailey's thing, which is you get um, four chunky-sized Kit Kats and then you meld them together, yeah. <laughs> wrap them in tin foil, and then put the like fake packaging on it, and then you can sit there nibbling on it, pretending you're a pixie. You ever it's seen only one basket. Yeah, yeah. It's just like one ginormous <laughs> four bar. <laughs> it's it's still so nuts. Everyone needs to stop listening right now and go on to pimpthatsnack.com. If it still exists, it was a mainstay of the early internet, and it was people doing precisely that. And it was some people was like... Um, taking like you know four Kit Kats chunkies and, and putting into one Kit Kat, but then there were the people at the Kit Kat factory who worked in the development kitchen, who made massive wafers because um, they had a huge uh, like oven and all that sort of stuff. I mean, huge wafers, coated it with all the you know actual Kit Kat stuff and whatever, and it was made Kit Kats that are about three foot long. Have, have you ever had? Giant egg. The thing is, they, they made it all to scale, so the, the mm. chocolate coating was about an inch thick all the way around. Mm. So it required chisels to eat. <laughs> have you ever had the um, the unicorn of the Kit Kat chunky, which is where something's gone wrong and the wafer's missing? So it's just solid <laughs> chocolate. Yes, yeah, so the closest I've ever come was I got all the way through to the end, and there was a whole one centimeter of the wafer in it. There was one centimetre of wafer in it. I was like, no, oh, so close. But so, somehow it's better than just having some chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I don't know why. Kit Kat it just chocolate is. is amazing chocolate. Mm. But it's like you can now buy Magnum chocolate in bars because it's the best chocolate. But mm. I assume it won't be as good. 
if it's not been in the freezer as well. Ferrero Rocher's oh. should never be eaten uh, unless they've been in the freezer or at least the fridge. Totally changes them. You get a night, you get a hard centre in it. In Ferrero Rocher's, yeah. I, I knew a guy who's. I think I've told this before, but I knew a guy whose dad was the military attaché to our embassy in Washington. Oh please and God! Every single goddamn time they yes. had a soiree, they would bring out his Ferrero Rocher, and it would be really like well, confused to why. Fabulous, yeah, oh. definitely. Um, like now they sell them in the cone things, but but back then it was like no, we just buy a shit ton of them um, and have and just hand them around, and people would take them thinking this is like some weird English custom. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I hope someone, at least one person, said it. I think I think the English people said it a yeah. lot. Um, and then everyone wondered why they were taking the mickey out of the French but then <laughs> said what? okay so back in the 80s the advert for Air Rocher was this big ambassadorial meeting with this yeah. like, person carrying around a tray with a pyramid of Ferrero Rocher on it and, and people would be taking them off going mm, these are delightful and then the very last line is oh monsieur with these Ferrero Rocher you are really spoiling us because they were supposed to be like an aspirational... Yeah, they, they meant it seriously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> supposed to, basically they were making out they were posh. Yeah, mm. but it, it wasn't tongue-in-cheek at all, but it's just so over-the-top and bullshit. Uh, it's yeah. just kind of, kind of classic. It's Get, like the really yeah. expensive dinner parties where they serve... What, what's the, the ice cream cake? The Vienna, Viennese... Yeah, yeah. Viennetta. Viennetta. Oh, Viennetta. Oh, my God. Viennetta so costs one pound. Well, there is no ice cream in it. It's amazing. I don't think there's any... I think the brands of ice cream that I would actually define as ice cream are like... Yeah, Well, no, is... Yeah. And everything other than that. Uh, kind of just went the out of It's incredibly hard to make. It's ruined But get your Ferrero Rocher, take them out of the wrapper, pierce them with a cocktail stick, submerge them in vodka, so the uh, the wafer bit around the uh, the Nutella centre type thing gets soaked with vodka, then freeze them See, and, it, and have them like that. I, I've heard of modding a million different things. Modding candy is new. <laughs> Most spirits work, but vodka is particularly good. Rum works quite well as well. What's that Whiskey that you doesn't put in that for coffee? some reason. Whiskey wouldn't because no, it doesn't freeze well. Yeah. But, um, I'd say, if anything, amaretto. Two, two conversations. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Not tried that. All that gets cut out. Back, back to the first question. I assume so. Uh, anytime anytime there's two conversations, one mic. Cut out. Doesn't happen. Questions. Yes. Questions. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Finally. Questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, so. The first one that I thought was uh, what story arc, as in like the, the, the longer form stories, has been your favourite to play and or listen to? Because there's some of you don't listen, and some of you do. And uh, Kate's joined us recently, but you actually listened to the I whole listen. like, back catalog. I listened to all of it, yeah. Because mm. I'm a freak. I mean, yeah. I am excellent, like all of our listeners. Mm. Let's, go, let's, go, let's go around there. So, what was your favourite like, arc? To I like Inspectors. You know that's my favourite. Because we started with a blowjob for a ship full of pirates. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and then there were big boob cookies. And it big was just boob the best. Cookies! <laughs> Do your own pill. <laughs> 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 See? The best. See, I, I always thought that the inspector stuff was like really hit and miss. It because a... it's very risque. It's very. We go so over every goddamn line. Like, mm. it's. It's it's really if if you didn't know that we were joking and these actually decent people, like, it's really <laughs> sexist, sure it's homophobic, not. and all that sort of stuff. And it's like 
I, 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 made, I made you suck off the whole ship of pirates because it was funny. Oh, no, so no, that no, could I, be taken very wrong. No, no, no. You, know what you, I mean? you made me be best at blowjobs. I volunteered. I've got to pay you away somehow. I, I saw that as 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 a good uh, character and story mm. uh, device, to be honest. But yeah, it's like yeah. I'm just like scared about this sort of putting this thing out there, and then people would look at it and go, "Oh, it's like the dude bros and whatever." But if you knew us, you'd know that there's an irony to it, and it's kind of, and also we're British, because, so that yeah. kind of humour well, flies here. I'd only met you at that point, and I listened to it and liked Inspector so much that instead of listening to episodes sequentially, I went through and listened to all of the Inspectors <laughs> first. I wonder how many people actually do that then, because there was no way to know from the stats. If you're trying to follow a specific, if you're trying to follow a specific story, quite probably quite a few. It was quite because um, story first. Yeah, I mean, doors in one go. I am currently listening to. Well, I'm I'm on currently episode ninety five of everything we've published so far, Hmm. and. I do still find it like like you know when we have the breaks in between sessions of like D and D and in between sessions of Dark Heresy, I do still find it a bit more difficult to get my mindset back into the right place. Hmm. It's still the same listening back to the episodes, even though I've played it all before and I know what's going to happen and stuff, hmm. because I've just listened to an episode of Inspectors and now oh look I'm back to D and D, which was six episodes ago. Hmm. Sometimes it can still be a bit off, so I imagine there's probably quite a few people who do go through and find just the D and D episodes yeah. and stuff. If I'm going to start running something or, or like go into one of the, the long running games, I do go back and listen to a few episodes of that just to sort of get my mind back into it. And remind yeah, myself. and remind yourself of what's happened and everything like that, which I actually did before we started playing D and D not long ago, and then <laughs> just completely forgot it. Yeah, I did that. It did no good for me whatsoever, but yeah. I, I tried. Yeah, the intention was there. I, I, te- yeah, I do tend to listen to stuff in series, and I, I listen to every single episode at least twice now because mm. uh, when I'm in work if I'm track, if you're listening to music and it's Spotify you just get the same songs coming around and around and yeah. around and then yeah so but if I've, I've tried listening to po- other people's podcasts in work and I just can't concentrate on them because I can't dedicate that much attention in my brain while I'm trying to do other things mm. whereas when it's your own stuff you can just sit there and you know exactly what's going to happen and who's going to say what because you were there mm. so it just ticks away in the background keeping my brain entertained while I'm doing something boring so yeah I I I've probably listened to Doors from start to finish maybe five times at this point. Jesus. Um, and yet you still can't remember what happens every time we have a session. Yeah. I know. <laughs> like, yeah, the last time we played Dindy, which hasn't, which won't have come out when we published this, so no spoilers. Like, you, for a lot of it, you've just sat there to go, I've got no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, I do not what, become what, a bear. What, what, what did we do last time? What happened there? What was this? <laughs> you, you said that? No, I didn't. Yeah, like it was, look, we, we sort of split into two bits, and, and so the last time we played it, you, uh, you, Billy was just like, "I've no idea what's going on. I've not. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what Rue wants. What he acts like. Who is this person? What am I doing? Who have I been playing for the last two years?" Um, and then, but the session before that, you were on the ball, but Adam was just like, "I, I can't brain. This yeah. is not happening." But yeah, I, got, I couldn't. I, I honestly didn't know what the fuck I was doing with Gimbal, which actually, funnily enough, is what actually one of the points we got to discuss later. Yeah. And that was like that was like the session where we had like six hours and we recorded the weapon stuff beforehand, the YouTube yeah. and all that. It was oh, like, oh yeah, we get all this, we got all this progress made. And I was just sitting there and just going like, I've no idea what's happening. <laughs> it's like someone please explain everything that's happened up to this point. Yeah. yeah so what's so what was your what were your favourite arc to listen to then? Um, or play? To be honest, I really enjoyed Dark Heresy. Mm. Um, really enjoyed it mainly because I've read the book, read some of the books. Mm. Um, I've read, read a few, started out with the Horus Heresy, which me and Dave discussed for a while, and the first few books are really good, and then after a while it just gets really shit, because it's just the same shit. 
over and over again. <laughs> and you know the ending. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and then so um, and then obviously I got a couple. I got a couple of you guys. I think um, a couple of like you know separate standalone stories and things. And I've still not gotten around to reading fucking uh, Eisenhorn, which I will get around to at some point. Case so many copy. fucking Isn't books at the moment. Because I forgot. One of the things I really love about Dark Heresy was um, the fact that none of us had a fucking clue what we were doing. Mm. It's like, literally, we, we went into it and we, started, we created a fucking a, a, a semi um, cognizant plant mold. Salad. <laughs> yeah, which we called a salad. We had no idea what salad was. And I thought, I thought although it wasn't Give supposed to be. Yeah. Oh, time! It wasn't supposed to be funny. But obviously, so because funny. we've done so much D and D, where you can just fuck about and stuff, I think that helps us to sort of get into the world. But then I also quite like the fact that after we got, basically got our asses handed to us in the tunnels, we then had to go through all the months and months of training, and then we just had to be like, "Okay, now, now we're serious." Now. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's like it's just. I, mean, I think that like the, there's there's a, a drive to go like this world is serious. It's great, and a lot of the comments we had from people were. They liked what we did with Dark Heresy because we were having fun and it was the characters and their cluelessness or whatever that, that was driving the humour and it was all in-character humour but it wasn't poking fun at the world. Mm. I think the only time we ever poked fun at the actual world was when we kept going, no, we're not, we're not, we're not. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we must be more Dark Heresy. But, like, it was organic. Did, it wasn't, didn't it wasn't... comment that it called us... Uh... Grimdork. Grimdork. Yes. Grimdork. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it works. It was. It was like, uh, and that was that's some of the most fun I've had ball playing as well. And it was it was just hilarious. But we didn't break the universe, and we didn't ruin the storyline. Mm. Um, and yeah, we were fucking around and stuff like that. But then it was like, okay, we need a plan. Yes, we'll do a plan. But let's fuck about while we do it. And it's like. If you have a load of characters who are going through a really serious storyline, being very serious and doing a serious plan, and then things go wrong and things go right and whatever, it's just not that interesting because everyone's on message and everyone is like getting along and doing their thing, and nothing interesting is happening. There's no drama. There is plot. There's no drama, and the comedy allows you to create drama because you're bringing foibles into it. You're bringing character failings. It's like why we like inspectors so much. Why we. We don't like it when we roll successful rolls. We like it when we roll the ones and yeah. melt down. The irony for Dark Heresy for me was that I, I, I was enjoying it. I was loving the comedy of it and stuff, but I just couldn't get into my character. And it was only in the very, very last episode we recorded when I decided... Oh, I got into yeah. the character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, my name is Hans. <laughs> well, saying that, it's... I am a Teutonic mutant sex god. <laughs> It was only after I decided that I was going to kill off my character that I actually really enjoyed starting to play him. Um, and, and if it wasn't for the fact that I was pretty much dead already, I might have gone, you know what, actually, I'm going to carry on with this character. You, you developed this character got... when your entrails were spelling out loud. Uh, <laughs> that was probably the finest uh, uh, episode title I've ever come across. Like, it had the biggest reaction at the table of any episode title, and it was the Oxford Colon. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Makes me think of uh, Red Dwarf, though the episode Sirens. Yeah, it's like, it's like, do you think you meant to use his kidney as a full stop? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, favorite arc? Video. I think yeah. Uh, I think simply because it's, it's the one arc in which I've really, really, really got into the character is Doors. Mm. I feel I feel more emotionally attached to Rue and everyone else than I do in any of the other games. 
And it's a very emotional storyline. It is. It's really um, easy to get sucked into in, well, when you're listening and when you're playing. He gave me a backstory. Really and I thought, how the fuck am I going to work with this backstory? And then after about three sessions in, I was like, I've got it. And from that, from the third session, which will actually be the... It was when we were releasing one episode per session, which is not a good idea. Uh, from that point on, dear listener, if you're thinking about from the, the third episode ever of Doors, when we're still doing the timey-wimey thing, right up to the moment... Uh, I think it's the episode is called Rufus. Uh, that was no, planned that, from that point. That episode's mm-hmm. about 20 of our current published mm-hmm. uh, episodes, anything. Yeah, so from episode three to the 20th episode, yeah. that, that was planned. Uh, that, that was what I was leading up to. And that's why I was so joyful at the table. I was sitting there just like, trying to be silent, not ruin the mood, mood but I was sitting there just going, yeah! I've I've got to admit though because because of all that and because it was the whole incidents that have happened recently with um, Tether isn't it no Willow Uh, no spoilers no spoilers that hasn't come out yet oh has it not okay the the whole thing with Steve Perry Perry and Steve Perry is um, in many ways I've kind of lost connection with Rue and I couldn't figure out what's going on and I thought I'd lost interest in Doors. I thought I was getting bored of playing that campaign, and I actually realised that is I I completely lost touch with what Rue's motivations were, mm. and that's why I was having difficulty playing and getting absorbed into it. And it's only literally as I've been discussing with Paul in about the last week that I had a bit of an epiphany as to where he is going to go as a character, um, and I'm now completely invested again. Dear and God, do we sound like thespes or what? <laughs> yes. My problem was I just totally lost connection with my character, so I went through a bit of a wobbly until been, I had an epiphany. He's been Sorry. playing Ruth. I like it. I like that. It, I, I often thought if this ever dies, for the podcast die, I'll have to get into amateur dramatics, which is sad and awful. So please, let's keep doing this. I, you know, no, I, I would honestly mm-hmm. recommend. No, I would honestly recommend that if you wanted to get into something that would allow you to do this in that kind of format, LARP. Mm. Um, theatre would not give you that kind of freedom that you have in role play. Well, I mean improv. Oh yeah, although I, 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 improv is just free. Well, yeah. Yeah, you do. go along and you perform <laughs> another thing, but you're performing for basically people who are there to improv as well. Mm. But no, yeah. So uh, my favourite one is is definitely Doors and. Um, Interesting things are thought. <laughs> <laughs> uh, without spoiling too much, uh, in the door storyline, we are going to get back to doors, and the next time we play it, we will finish the doors storyline. Um, it's very, very close to completion, um, which is why we need to talk about characters. Um, but uh, yeah, there, there are lots and lots of revelations, lots of sort of end game plot revealing stuff of. I kind of I wanted you guys to be groping around in the dark, not kind of know what happened, and then be confronted with right. This is what's happening. Everything you know is bullshit. Uh, everything you think you knew about the world, the universe, your lives, who the who you are, uh, who everyone else is, is wrong. So prepare <laughs> uh, to be as confused as usual. Yeah, <laughs> we spent we spent a lot better time. I think we did it quite well. Where we just sort of sat down on the on the long the long sort of sat there. Was it Sunday session we had um, at your house? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're able to sort of like break it up and have like solo scenes and sort of go through various people and drop a ton of exposition on people, yeah. but have it done in such a way that it was emotionally resonant. Yeah, the good, the best thing about that was, like I said, because my head was just completely fucking not in not in the right place for that. Um, I had lost my way with Gimbal, had no fucking clue what I was doing, as yeah. we all know, um, mainly because 
uh, with the way the story arc had gone, Gimbal had ended up going around down a really dark path that I'd never actually originally intended for Gimbal. Yeah. Um, but it fit with the story and it fit with how this tiny, innocent, you know, basically trusting person would react. You know, he's, he's, like, he's going to have a complete mental breakdown, but obviously th- th- such a thing doesn't exist in this world, so nobody knows what's happening. As far as I know, Gimbal's just gone completely fucking... Uh, Kill crazy. And, and people in adventure stories don't tend to have the time to have mental breakdowns. It's like, no, you've got to keep doing stuff. You've got to keep yeah, just like sit and become an NPC who yeah. sits at home and, and doesn't do anything. And I, I still, I still don't know how I'm going to reconcile it because literally, I've I've come up with several ideas for what I can do to bring Gimbal back to you know the straight and narrow and stuff. And just I go just, full psycho. Well, here's Johnny. The thing is. <laughs> That was that was going to be something that I opted for, but then Biddy's character did something that would have guided Gimbal back towards his uh, his straight and narrow path. So now I've got to basically work that into the story. So unless Paul throws something that's going to make Gimbal go completely off the rails, well, uh, you see, <laughs> um, I'm the, the thing I'm going to work on for. Uh, I mean, the story will will continue, the characters will continue, but it's like, so it's the end of that particular arc, you know, that particular, that film, as it were, and then the, the sequel will be. Um, I'm thinking actually more in terms of um, like uh, anime or, or uh, Japanese TV where they, they make a series and then if it's successful, they'll think about making another series, but it's a completely different storyline and it's just like, okay, yeah. we might use the same characters, but it's like, yeah. same that story is over. Story. Yeah, that story is told and that's over and like, you characters and themes might come only back. Only the best anime does that. A lot of it, they just string it out. Yeah. Um, so it, it so it'll be it'll be like that. So there'll be an opportunity to retool things, and we'll have a sit down, and we'll use like um, uh, we'll have maybe one or two sessions, maybe yeah, maybe two sessions where we just sit down and we talk about the plot that has happened, is happening, and will happen, and all the characters and all the places and stuff is actually taking an idea from um the Dresden Files RPG, which is you have uh is it a city you get a city sheet and a um, names and faces sheet or whatever. So I'm going to take those, then repurpose them all. So it's like, come up with interesting characters. And the idea is no one has to have a complete idea in their head. They just have to like, pop off each other and just uh, improvise. And just have enough that then the DM can go, and go right, okay, I'll come up with a story with familiar elements to you, things that you want in there, but now it's mine, and I'm, I'm going to move these things around. Um, so we'll do that, and that'll give you an opportunity to look at Gimbal again and say, how is he going to come out in all of this? Yeah, but... It won't be a case of let's do this and then figure out how he would react and then let's do this and figure out how he react. It would be it would be like we'll workshop that at the table. Yeah. Um, so it, things are going to change in a massive, massive way. I don't want to be doing a huge long story arc um, anymore where it's like it doesn't pay off for ages and like a single session might be this is the overland travel thing. I was like, no, this, this is boring. How do I how do I put something in front of you every session that is interesting? Mm-hmm. rather than just let's yeah. get from this point to this point over the course of a year Do, doing it as a in theory like something that's going to be maybe like five five sessions across like a particular adventure a particular style so this one's a dungeon crawl maybe this one's a bit more political maybe this one's whatever you know with like a I don't know, even with like like a three month six month gap between them where you have to kind of role play what have you been doing in that time you know I, I'm aiming for Star Trek season uh, next generation season four you had some established characters. You've got a kind of through line story where there's like a general kind of you know, there's the threat of the Borg and there's these all the things happening. I'm like, okay, fine, I'm going through. Or maybe DS Nine where there's like a, there is a genuine through story. 
Um, but then, but not like as long DS9. We don't have any romance episodes like DS9. Screen. Uh, Ruble. Yes, Ruble. Ruble <laughs> must happen. Uh, Ruble. Gimble. Gimble. Oh, um, thing. It's the ship everyone Romance. deserves. <laughs> yes. Uh, but like you know, like at the end of DS9, when it all became about the war with the Dominion, it was it was one story all the way through. It wasn't really Monster of the Week. It's the um, only reason I, I like DS9. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to get to that point where it's just the one story going through. I want to be a bit Monster of the Week with a through line. Mm. That'd be fun. Do you want yeah. questions or a blanket sale or anything? I'm pretty comfortable. There's plenty of questions on here, and I'm not using them all, despite how it looks. <laughs> I'm the most uncomfortable. So I, I do not so. find this uncomfortable. This is the kind of sofa I want at home. Um, I'm bolder than I have to cross my head. Matt, you, you sat on my sofa at mine, haven't you? Yeah, yes. squishy and amazing. Yeah, so you, yeah, but now it tries to eat you. Yeah, I, I like sofas like that. <laughs> I don't, I hate this, I like eating sofas. Plus, it's, it's really low down, um, so it's like, at the moment, it's killing my sciatica. And you can't um, get up, yeah. Yeah. You've got to throw, throw yourself forward and do the old band kind of... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, whereas this, it's nice, it's firm, it's supporting, and the only, the best part is... It's not quite wide enough that she can lie down on it, which means that I don't have to deal with legs on me and stuff. Feet. Yeah. <laughs> End of day, feet up. No, yeah. not on husband. Not on husband. Not on husband. <laughs> I wouldn't mind so much if it was heading cross, but it never is. <laughs> Dave, <laughs> favourite arc. Oh, I'm going to kill people. It's the one we never released. Cockthulhu. Cockthulhu <laughs> was genuinely the most... One thing, it's the most coherent game of Inspectors. I've ever played with anyone, mm-hmm. which I don't know how we achieved that. It's just the three of us. I don't. I don't think we did. That was very much just the case of me literally just saying, "Okay, so this is supposed to happen." You guys go, "Fuck it! How can we fuck it up?" <laughs> but it worked, and it sort of made sense. And it was sort of almost D and D, or we do have a recording of that. Files. It's I know. just never been released. Yeah, yeah it needs to release. It's, it. it's the single uh, recorder, single microphone. Yeah, it'd be awful. It's not that. I mean, uh, Biddy Star Wars was definitely my favorite. Uh, Great so cast of characters. It was so good. Good it story. So good inter. You know, it's just the. It just worked. It was good mm. fun. I Dear listener, if, if if you uh, <laughs> would like to go to our Patreon and back us, then Cockthulhu at some point will be edited by Kate and will be released for patrons only. <laughs> I'm going to edit in a loop of you saying stupid things. Yes. Wasn't ah. there. Uh, I'm done with that. Is Paul. <laughs> it was literally me, Biddy, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. I'm gonna add it in somehow. Just to record you at work with that. I'll, I'll give you the raw. I'll give you the raw uh, file, unedited file of me doing an intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you did release I one of those at the end as, as bloops, and it's just it's just Paul going. Uh, 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 fuck, uh, 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 uh. That was a supercut of me just all the errs and things that I took out of my DMing. The intros that I do, the intro will last. Uh, a, about a minute, two minutes at the start if I've got something to, to talk about or things to plug. Then there's like 30 seconds in the middle where I say, this is what we're doing and the episode is called. And then there's the credits at the end. So that really comes together to no more than about four or five minutes of actual audio. The normal length of those recordings is 20 minutes. <laughs> I suck. <laughs> I suck balls. <laughs> There's, uh, if I did a supercut of all the mistakes, it would be, uh, mm, yeah. Maybe yeah, if you yeah. weren't sucking mm. balls say, while mm, you did yeah. the intro, it would go better. Well, where's the fun in that? It's hard to tell what you're saying when your mouth is full of balls. <laughs> Especially when he has to, you know, the, the shapes he has to contort himself into yeah. to get his own balls in his mouth. Lychees, it's training. <laughs> <laughs> 
Training first, sucking off old men's balls. <laughs> Little shriveled. So that's how you got fun. Rough as hell balls. I think I could make everyone happy by training sack. I think I've managed to resolve the issues I was having with myself, no one else, um, <laughs> over the whole Star Wars thing. I think we will be able to return to it in the, in the nearest future. Yeah. So, so me forcibly running every single Star Wars box set that <laughs> exists. That's kind of the <laughs> Did you see what I was doing there? Yeah, it's, <laughs> like I said, it's the difficulty I was having with it is, is I, in most ways, sci-fi is like my religion. Mm-hmm. I do mean that quite literally. Um, and the pinnacle of that religion is Star Wars. Yeah, it's like a walk drive's a bit bollocks. No, I'm sorry, you're talking about my savior. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, Star Trek, Star Trek. Yeah, I love it, and I can take the piss out of it. But that's fine. Eh? Even Babylon Five, which I love, I can take the piss out. Star Wars, it's like sacred to me. So to except for you know n- not the um, the heretical texts, which are episodes one through three. Yes. <laughs> yes. Just the, the the core canon, which is uh, four, five, and six. Maybe the the you know the apocrypha now of of, mm. of Rogue One. But Star Wars is <laughs> forget the sci-fi element. Isn't there's very little sci in the fi. Yeah, but it's it's not fi. It's an adventure comedy. It is funny. It is supposed to be funny. Except yeah, for Rogue I, One, which is why I loved it. Is yeah, there's dark there's as fuck. dark as fuck, and everyone dies. Like <gasps> I just had a stargasm. I've still not seen it. It's down there. I borrowed it off our colleague. Wait, look at look at all the because I need to be in a good mood to watch it. Because <laughs> it's, really. it's, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It is a really good film. So beautiful. Even knowing how it ends, it's not sad at all. Everything that goes on in the film is brilliant. In the ending, it's just like well, I'm, they I'm, did I'm, it. I'm they did it. Week, so I'll watch it then. And there's no the, Stephen Perry at the end. I like I like that the, the two the, main characters don't Stephen Perry. Darth Vader is. It makes Darth Vader in A New Hope a legitimate threat. Yeah. Yes. It was the first time in any of the films where I watched it, I went, oh my God, this man is terrifying. I, yes. it's just Have you seen that time. set to Miss... Uh, so is it... Um, uh, I don't, is, is it called Don't Stop Me Now? Or... Don't Stop Me yeah. Now! I'm such a good time. I'm having a brilliant. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, when I was in the cinema and I saw uh, the 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 f- uh, space battle of uh, uh, um, Skyrim, no, Scar, uh, which yeah, movie? Skyrim. Skyrim. Yeah, I I genuinely wept with joy because it was everything I wanted in a Star Wars film right there, but with just the absolutely crisp beautifulness of modern technology mm. yeah it was I, perfect I basically had a row with my mother-in-law when we left the cinema after Rogue One because she said oh I liked episode 7 better <laughs> <laughs> I almost had a freak out because like you I was on the verge of tears just at how beautiful it was mm. I just like I, I feel like I am you know when did I first watch episode 4 it's like 7 again you know and it's I don't know, I, I, I did actually... Such a beautiful experience. I did prefer episode 7 to uh, Rogue One, but I acknowledge Rogue One, Rogue One is the better film. <laughs> the Rogue One is the better film. I enjoyed episode 7, seven more. And for the reason that, like, uh, yeah, I, I, could, I, can, I can watch an art film and appreciate it and, and see the depth in it and all that sort of stuff, but really, Blazing Saddles. You know, I can um, watch so something. Good. I can watch. Yeah. I can watch Raging Bull and uh, Taxi Driver and think, yeah, these are fantastic films that are really well put together and all that. Tell an interesting story and there's a good arc and all this sort of stuff happens. But Spaceballs, mm, I yeah. enjoy Spaceballs more. Right. 
See, I'm in. I'm, I want to smile episode, and I want to feel good at the end. I'm in episode four, Star Trek, uh, Star Wars Eve. Yeah, <laughs> like, the dark, I'm sad one. That mm, that's good. That, that is, yeah. That's maybe where you go wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe that's why I'm sad all the time. <laughs> I, think the, I think the major problem I had with episode seven was J.J. Abrams, actually, because the, the more I've, I was a fan of his actually up until recently, but the more I've analysed his work, the more I realise there's no depth to anything he does. It's beautiful on the surface and you enjoy it at the time, but then when you come back to it, that's what Star Wars is. Though. There's no, no depth. No, 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 no. Uh, it's <laughs> trash. I, I can, I could easily go back and watch um, uh, Rogue One or any of the original uh, Star Wars films over and over again and get enjoyment out of it. Oh, I, I, I'm kind of on my third <laughs> watch of Episode Seven, and I'm kind of a bit bored of it. Yeah. And, and and the casting wasn't great. Yeah, but it's just it, it. But if you look at it, there's stuff like the Star Trek that he's done. If you scratch away the top of the Star Trek films he's done, oh. there's nothing underneath it. Same yeah. with Lost. Lost mm. had the appearance of being deep and meaningful and mysterious. It wasn't. It was just bullshit after bullshit. The thing that everyone no thought in the first episode was true. Yeah, Alias is great fun. Mm-hmm. I adore yeah. Alias well, Wasn't it that the biggest swizz in, in Lost was like, every, on the first episode where everyone went, oh, they're dead. This is the afterlife, this is purgatory or whatever. Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> and it's, been, it's been long enough. If I'm not um, allowed to call spoiler alert on the Rogue One, you can't <laughs> call spoiler alert on Lost. Lost has been over a lot longer yeah. than the Rogue One. Um, yeah, but I feel like I can't call spoiler alert on Rogue One. It's my own fault. I was meant <laughs> to go is. and see it with Gareth, so I didn't go and see it. Yes, well, that's, that's probably a question. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, I forgot the point I was going to make. No, go on. Oh, anyway, so. Star Wars, coming back. Yes, I To yes. Sword Art Radio, soon. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yes, because yes, I, I was thinking, like, I really want to list. play the game. And I was like, I know nothing about the Star Wars universe, really. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm a Wikipedia guy. I'm not a, a Wikipedia guy. I'm not a real <gasps> books guy. So, Wikipedia? Um... <laughs> and I, I like I'll, I'll listen to Our Never Tell Me the Pods and all that yeah. sort of stuff, which is brilliant. Shout out to Pranks, it's amazing. Um, you ever listen to Moisture Farmers? No, I should oh, do because should. I'm sort of involved in a project that they're doing as well. Shout out. Um, uh, Kate just said, "Shout out, <laughs> Moisture Farmers." I was trying to be subtle, Dave. What do they do? What are, what's that? Sorry, I'm the American the room. I don't do subtle. Okay, it's like you, you are an actual sword knot. There is no such yeah. thing as subtle. <laughs> dick for ass subtle is when your dick is still in your trousers when you hit someone with it <laughs> a good crotch I, I like to have my dick on display when I stab people <laughs> I'd like to take this chance to say look my coffee table is bereft of dildos especially for you <laughs> the usual dildo for us just gone. a farm a dildo farm <laughs> So they're girls. Keep them away from cock rings. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I covered them up with their coasters. <laughs> 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 so, uh, I'm a good host. So you have no shame. Of, of the arcs we haven't discussed, that, that no one's told us, we've got doors there. There's the Inspectors one we talked about. Um, Trek Spectres, only one of them's been published, like only half of one has been published and we've done two. Is that the one where we made the Borg? No, no. yeah, that, no, that was the one where we made the Borg. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the second it, Trek we Spectres we did more recently. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then made the, yeah, we made well, the weird Scottish kilt wearing mm. nut job. Mm. Um, so it's the only Trek Spectres I've been faulted. Yeah. But I'd, I'd completely forgotten that I actually did a, an actual hack of the system. I didn't just like go, oh, we'll just replace this with this. I've actually written a, a, an 
actual hack of it. Oh. Um, so I've got to look at the legality of all of that sort of stuff, whether I can put it out or not. Uh, I'll probably have to get the nod from Memento Mori to yeah. put it out, but not charge any money for it. Oh, that's a good name. Memento Mori Theatrics is the, the company that, that publishes it. I've always wanted to get Memento Mori. I've never never come across one. Oh, the Skull and Crossbones then? No, well, usually it was just a, like a um, um, either a cast uh, bronze skull with deep with etchings and things, or mm. it was an actual skull that it had been etched or something like that. It's called oh, Memento Mori, Memory of Death. Remember, life is short, and if you don't do everything right, you're going to burn in hell. We have a lot of them on... Um, Some stuff's going to be on Or skull and not crossbones, so skulls and bones. That's like, just the, the Scottish the, uh, mausoleums and things. And whatever. Tombstones? That's, that's, yeah. That's so you, 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 you find these, like, uh, abandoned well, churches sure. and things in Scotland um, doing doing walkover service for work and things, and, like, you go around the, the churchyard, and you're like, I just need to get the, the dates and things like that, and you're like, and you're suddenly noticing there's just fucking tons of skulls and crossbones and images of death and whatever, and it's it's really fucking grim. We mm. did have that, but a lot of it got lost in uh, Protestant anatomism. Yeah. Painted over everything and destroyed it all. Yeah. We did have that. We just got rid of it a lot more efficiently. My favourite graveyard fact ever. Uh, this is a thing that the archaeologists do. Like in your like university course, do you have to go around graveyards and look at things and. Yeah, we did a full survey on. Yeah, it's like the first time you, you cut your your teeth on like doing surveys and um, like typology studies and things like that. It's, it's graveyards because it's everywhere's got one and it's easy to go around and just like look at things and catalogue them. Um, so every archaeologist out there knows gravestones like the back of their hand yeah, true. and it never has to learn them again um, and so to be fair I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm, I'm an ex-goth I use that in my day to day so you know um, the, you get like low churchyard walls and things like that and the idea is it, it's uh, a notional to trip up the zombies it's precisely that yeah. it's actually that um, it's, like, it's a notional boundary that keeps the spirits in like they can't cross water and things like that. If you put a small wall up, it's the idea of the wall stops them. Um, and when you see individual plots with um, like railings around it, or uh, you know, like grave slabs with railings around it, it's not to stop people damaging the thing; it's to stop the dead rising. So when you see the ones with like a, like a little um, uh, little rail about ankle height or whatever, a little bit of chains or whatever, it's just there to keep the dead at rest, as it's it were. Like vampires and thresholds. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's why when you find. Skeletons with stones in the mouth, all the feet removed and stuff. It's all about keeping the spirit in one place. So witches get worried at crossroads because their spirit wouldn't know which way to go to go and haunt people and things like Both that. Both of which we found. And face yes. down. Yes, we have. Mm. So when you go around a graveyard and you see a particularly impressive mausoleum or whatever, with someone obviously very rich buried there, show me a nice church, I'll show you the guilt of wealthy men. And around yeah. it there's, there's a massive you know, raw tired railing that goes up and it's very spiky and all that sort of stuff someone really did not want to see that person ever again <laughs> <laughs> that was a hated hated person uh, surely at some point it passed from actual significance into fashion yes absolutely yeah it does that point is within about two seconds <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. we have as much fancy as possible and like, put some like... lace on it it's the same thing with uh, gargoyles and grotesques they were meant to scare away evil spirits but Obviously, they just became fashion, fashion at some point. Yeah. You get the same with like gate creep as well. There's the, the modern version of it is gate creep because people like to have houses away from the road now. So how do they show off how wealthy they are if people can't see their houses and their cars from the road? And what you find in a lot of these things, especially like gated communities and whatever, and, and places with long driveways, 
is at the front now, you'll have a gate there, and the whole point about the gated community isn't necessarily it's hard to get in, because it's not. It's not, it's just that there is a gate. It's that there is a gate, but how fancy that gate is as well. So, like, there's a particular road, the A556, if you're living in Manchester. Yes, gated communities here? I thought that was a horrible American thing. No, no, it's, it's that, so, like, down this road, um, this settlement, uh, it's like a long strip settlement along a, a road that connects one motorway to another. But there's a great big, um, uh, like, uh, stately home estate kind of thing behind there. Uh, and there is the UK's, if not Europe's, most expensive golf course there as well. And it's like, it's where all the footballers live, it's where all the stockbrokers live, and all that sort of stuff. And um, so the world unite. Absolutely, yeah. Dear God. Um, not a single decent human being among them. And then, so it's like, it's, it's their houses, their gardens, which are quite substantial. And then this great big development they can't go into so they can't go down the road and all that sort of stuff but um so what they did was then go right well this road is very busy uh, so we want to wall it off and make sure we can't hear the road and we can't see the road whatever because that's quality of life fair enough put the big trees up the big hedges and all that but then they realized no one could see how rich they were and so over the last 20 years they've just uh, all of them have installed gates and it's like you go down the street and you see you can tell which one did it first because they've got um, the low wooden ones and then the next one has the wooden ones but with the concrete pillars and the next one has a real stone pillars with lions on the next one has like the stone pillars and a metal fence but with balls on there because the because the, uh, the the um, the lion ones are less expensive than balls. the sphere ones yeah the sphere ones have to yeah. be done by a master mason which is why they're the most popular because they're the most expensive and then the next one has the, that, but the big wrought iron gates that are big fancy and the fleur-de-lis on top. And the next one has like gold fleur-de-lis on the top and little and details. And the next with roses and stuff. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And there's one right at, there's one right at the end, like just around the corner that has completely gilt um, iron fence. So it's this gold shining fence. So I've just really just... Is this the one we past I, I actually appreciate yeah. people like that because it lets me walk past or drive past and just think... Oh my god, that's gauche and feel superior. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're doing us a service, really, but they're also stealing our money massively. Yes. Well, uh, to be fair, footballers, people who like Wendy Ball, give their money. But yeah, yeah, it's like people talk about. Um, yeah, why do you want to like throw all your money away on all this geek stuff and whatever? Like, you're gonna have a real hobby, like you know, go and see football. Why? I mean, football. It's like, well, why do I want to give all my money to a millionaire? Ronaldo. Yeah. To watch. <laughs> why do I want to? Why do I want to spend loads of money to watch twenty-two millionaires play a game? that I'm not interested in. Like, as soon as you start thinking to yourself, like, stop replacing the word footballer. Start replacing the word footballer with the word millionaire. Football itself just becomes meaningless. Just why, why would I be interested in that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no blood and there's no guts. That's why rugby is the only game anyone should ever watch. Still, yeah. no, not enough people die. I don't like watching do good players get broken. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Unless they're twats, in which case. Do you remember mm-hmm. the cast your mind back to Osmond van Dalva? Oh, yeah. this is before yeah. our time, Kate. Okay? Dear God, uh, I I miss um, ancient ancient history. Yeah, you know, I, I I miss having um, two women at the table as well. Yeah, like it's it's good to have like a good mix. I was going to say this fest, but this yeah. comes this comes in like I guess I, it's still you know you know you know where we're going to discuss um, favorite yeah, bits of other characters. Yeah. I have seven <laughs> honorary. Mm-hmm. Don't you? So, yeah. Uh, keep I have a real it. one. I keep it in a drawer. <laughs> I think Fandelva was. Interesting for me. Okay, it's like that my to the collection. <laughs> it's kind of where, where I, I I tried to figure out how to do a lot of this stuff technically. Uh-oh. You see, the quality varies massively. Uh oh. Um, I was just experimenting with everything. I kind of missed the days of the fire station as well and the random announcements. Yeah, the fire fights. 
They were the back pipes. great. Yeah. yeah. It really added depth to your point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, slippers. Oh, I yeah. like now, slippers. I, I, I do enjoy slippers. I think we um, still need to find the white system for yes. slippers. Yeah. Um, it is one that I think we're having difficulty with, but I love the, 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 the idea, the prospects of it. I love, I love where you came up with it because I used to love the TV show. It was one of my favourite mm. TV shows. Do you know, well, actually saying that, I know that in the credits we always um, thank Sliders and stuff like that, but really, Sliders was an afterthought. It was only really kind of like once we got into it, I went, oh yeah, it is quite similar to that. It was genuinely inspired by Rick and Morty and the <laughs> idea of them going to all these different realities and different worlds and stuff. The first world in which I created for it was Cronenberg World after watching the Rick and Morty episode and went, Oh, that'd be a really interesting place to roleplay. And it just kind of went from there. I think the reason you ended up making the connection to sliders is the fact that we're lost the, and we can't get home. Yeah, it was the jo- mm. and it was also the joke about slippers. Yeah, sliders, yeah, it's decent enough fun. Yeah, but uh, thankfully we don't owe them any money. But <laughs> it's so uh, much fun to play though because you've always got a different world to interact with. Yeah, stuff it's, it's, it's been it's been a real eye opener to me as well. In that um, I have nothing planned for the worlds you go to other than the name until you arrive there. In which case, at, at which point it, it, it's invented, and that's going to make it fantastic to DM. It's just like fuck it, yeah, go be yeah. creative on the fly. Um, and, and I think that's one of my biggest problems is that if I do sit down and try to map things out, I try and map things Railroad out to it, the nth yeah. degree. And then when people start going off the tracks, I have issue with that because I've spent all this time creating this world. DM tip number one, no matter how many possibilities you think of and plan out, mm. you know, if you think of 100, your players will think of 101. <laughs> and choose the one. The only time it ever became apparent that that is what's happening is uh, when I wasn't there, but uh, you you guys went to. Uh, it's when you've got control of it and you're going just through one, two, three, four, and just seeing what's there. Um, Barry. Barry. Yes. Uh, it's, it's where you end up. Because Barry Island. I just think now Barry Island Nazis. <laughs> um, so it was it was where it was the destroyed Earth thing. You're on a space station, and it's before you oh, said yeah. anything about where you were. Dave said, "We're in a waiting room," and he went, "Yes, we're in a waiting room," and it's this, and it's mm. uh, and that was the only time it really became apparent that it was like I I'm just doing this on the fly, um, but it was good, mm. and it was it, it it's an impressive piece of DMing from my perspective. So immediately, like, yes, you're in a waiting room, and it's this person, it's the uh, jobs assignment person, it's this other person. The only thing that that I found was. When I was listening to it immediately, you know, when you get an idea of go, oh, this is where this could go, and it doesn't go there. You think, oh, well, is it should have been Betty? It was Mary or something like that. Like we need a we need a recurring character because it's alternate realities. You can have oh, this, you can have okay. the same person in alternate things. But we've had Betty twice. She Has ran we? a saloon. Yeah. Um, well, with Betty, Betty and Betsy. So two Bettys and a Betsy. Betsy uh, there was Betsy who was a chicken. Mm. Betty who owned the chicken, and. Uh, yeah, always but, related to yeah, the Yeah, but Mary was my babe. We can't get rid of Mary. Yeah, well, Mary's there now. But then there's Betty who <laughs> oh, went <yeah>. missing. <laughs> so Betty has become a, a character twice. Mary, Mary is traumatised and horny. <laughs> to me, that, that was Mary. That is pretty Barry, much but... true for all of my wives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One in every universe. <laughs> I, love, I, love I love that we had a lesbian awakening on the show. <laughs> it's, it's great. <laughs> I am a lesbian awakening, sure. <laughs> Episode top. So... <laughs> No. Next pin. Yeah. <laughs> well, even better if we wear it. 
I was kind, I was kind of happy that, that my character like had to leave because I didn't have jury service because I really didn't know where he was going. It was, it was a bit too boring. I think he was going to be too normal. I, was I, was just, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember Joe's name. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. We were just there. We were just caught. Just, yeah, we can't. Just call him Phil McCracken. Phil McCracken is like Joe. I mean, he, he was supposed to be like the voice of reason or whatever, but I think he did better without reason. We'll come back to it later. I was going to say there is actually going to be a from where you from where you left off. Maybe not include this, but where from where you left off, there's going to be a time jump. Hmm. Uh, between where you pick up again. Well, we've kind of figured it out a little bit. So there is the potential that you could shift character, or you could have had some kind of event happen that changed the personality of your character. Well, what what I would like is well, so what I would like is is that there's a, a watershed moment where we just describe like okay, like in sliders, the first mm. bits of sliders are all like they have to get somewhere, they have to survive. So it's like when we're there, it's going well, we have to subsist, so we have to get food, we have to get water. There's uh, feeding. Um, uh, Shepherd, P.I.s, yeah. uh, alcohol habit, um, and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but then it's like you have to focus on plot and stuff rather than just like where do we get food now. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, but in sliders, they they start off doing that and then they never ever address it again. They just go look, assume they can find food and water mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It's, it's fine. It's it's actually interesting in that just because of the nature of the dice rolls, now you're actually going to be going through it in sequence. There's some absolutely fascinating worlds because although I've not really invented the worlds properly some of them do have a particular thing that will happen when you get there because it's kind of what that world is so there are potentially some amazingly changing things that can happen as a result of going places you've just been really unlucky with the dice rolls actually you've been going to you get you on the same world yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of weird how we kept like, on going there the same world back here again. we yeah. always find a shit from a traveller well yeah, how many times have time. all of the groups been to the shit-covered trousers of worlds? But if you're rolling, um, uh, fair enough, like, uh, if you're rolling a D100, it should be, you've got a 1 in 100 chance of doing all those things, but yeah. there is, because it's rolling two dice, there is a bell curve to it, there's mm. a standard deviation curve to it, um, as to how, how often each particular thing will, will, will arise, or each combination of things will arise, I think, and so somebody knows probabilities will probably correct me. I think that only works if you're rolling two dice with different numbers. Oh, no, you add them up, yeah. And you yeah. add them up, whereas if it's just one and then the other, the hundreds, it should be a level playing field yeah. across it, in theory. But, I mean... Um, but what we could do is that, I think one of the things you did was like, we'll just roll a load of them and then do those and go, right, okay, we've already been to that one, we've already been to that one, and this one is we'll interesting. Just, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. There are, yeah, there are some worlds who are, that are solely there just to be filler. There is nothing there to do. Is that at the, all. The, the cloud world? Um, we fucked about phrases. Like, really yeah, no I, world. I, was, I was so ready to have a bottle episode there mm. where we all just figure out all the characters are and it's all just like bickering and makeovers and stuff. It's like high pitched wine world that only really exists to put you in a situation where you feel like you have to jump before time, which then creates complications. Did you listen to that one, that episode? Yes, I did the high pitched wine. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what that's called? It doesn't actually go up, keep going up. It's two tones that oscillate. So mm. it, in theory, infinitely sounds like it's going up, but it's, a, it's an illusion. It's called a shepherd tone. Ah, nice! <laughs> uh, someone's trying to call me, and it's suspected spam. Fuck you. Right. Uh, dark heresy. Uh, so yeah, we've, we've talked about dark heresy, haven't we? Mm. Um, they got a mention! Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Star Wars one that we all want to get back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and the short yes. stories. Did anyone actually listen to any of the short story stuff? 
I just abandoned. I listened to two of them and then never returned to it. Yeah. To my own. I, I, I kind of didn't stay with it. It's like, I, I need to start writing more of these, whatever. I thought, well, if I'm not writing a novel, then there's no point to it. But I thought it was at a time when like I wanted to have something to release every single week and I could do that in the course of, say, two hours, whereas editing an episode would be you know, 16, 20 hours. I think I think, I think, think I might actually get more mm-hmm. out of it now returning to it, having done the Doors campaign a bit more, because it, it all interacts with the world. But at the time, because we were so fresh to Doors, there was all this kind of like hidden lore mixed in there, but I just couldn't see it. So it just felt completely out of context with yeah, anything it's, else. I, I, it's sort of, it's why I set the Doors timeline 200 years after the world that I started writing mm. uh, with, with my friend uh, Rob. Um, so that I wouldn't be caught up in the law. So it wouldn't be like, no, you're in my world doing this story and it's continuing from this and you're all like related to these people. No, no, it's, I want you to be able to do your own thing. Um, but it would still add a level of verisimilitude to the world that um, I, I knew what was happening all over the place and the cultures and the people and all that sort of stuff and how things had changed. But I specifically made it very different um, so that you could play. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you listen to the the stuff like you don't need to know the story of like this guy Stephen and the way he meets these people or whatever, but the story that they tell eventually would have led to why in Kotev they all wear a little bit of red and why there is a caste system that sort of got overthrown and all that sort of stuff and, it's, and it goes into why the cult took hold there as well. But like it just it just set up the conditions where that would happen. It didn't directly lead to it. Mm. Um, and sort of characters who are going to come in from like other places like Banagar and all that sort of stuff and like there's a very different mindset going on here and it's, it would lead to that and it would fill in a lot of not it wouldn't fill in any blanks because if there were blanks we wouldn't be able to tell the story mm-hmm. but it would just add a bit of colour to it mm-hmm. um, but I just, in the end I was just like mm, I'm going to spend so much time writing this uh, fuck it <laughs> um, I did like doing those and like setting it to the particular music that was there um, for those of you who do like that the music that that's to is a spoiler, or is a hint at where the story is going. That's some deep lore. There is probably one person, like, or a handful of people who could listen to it and figure out where the story is going, specifically a, a, an actual place the story is going, if you know deep enough D&D lore <laughs> and have interacted with certain media. There's probably some people who could do it. Penny Meckersprocket. The words Pen and Mechasprock, the slang that Pen and Mechasprocket uses. The... You mean Jimmy Speak? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Yeah. And uh, some of the music scores, some of the little creatures that have popped in and out. Um, that is. And, and the general theme as well, and like some of the weird things that happen, all lead to a specific place in the DD universe. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to fairly quickly. Hopefully. Anyway. Uh, favorite one shots, I believe. No? Favorite one shots, yes. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon? We played. I'll, I'll, I'll remind you of them because I was going to say you've asked us that, and I've done on every one shot that yeah. Slipknot's ever done. So we've had, in order, I had to go through it myself. Um, it's Conyers Caves. Everyone remembers Brian. Yeah, yeah. Brian the Octa. Brian the Cashier. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Dread with the uh, the zombies and stuff. I love the Dread zombies, especially with the with the Jenga Tower aspect. That was brilliant. Also, mm-hmm. weirdly, listening to you guys play Jenga was actually quite a lot of fun. The thing is, it actually added... It actually added um, <laughs> the tension for the Jenga was that more the, that's the, the story. It, that, yeah, the right. thing is, though, the, the Jenga added that tension to the story because you were like, I want to do this, but 
I know, I know that means we're going to have to pull three blocks, and I don't know how that's going to go. Like, we, we started hating each yeah. other, and yeah. we were like, <laughs> I looked up, um, and it's, it's, it's it was, like it was where, where my character was dead, and I was just fucking with everyone. And it was just so funny to me. And like Mike turned to me and was, there was proper anger in his eyes, like, you're going to shut up, I'm going to fucking like it. <laughs> and, and then I looked up and I realised everyone was stood around the table like this. Like, well, yeah, they were backed off to the edge of the room. Yeah. And like, there was a good like 10 feet between people and this Jenga tower. <laughs> between people and the table. Yeah. Because those tables were wobbly as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was this at the fire station? At the fire yeah. station, yeah. Those tables were not good. And it's literally, it's like, it's like, it's like everyone would get up and be like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, everyone had their arms crossed uh, and, 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 um, and was trying to wobble back. and seeing which ones were loose and shit and where you could take it out without killing anybody and it was it was horrible but it was brilliant at the same time yeah. and I fucking loved it, was, it. I'll tell you what it was it was that look that guys get when they're stood around a broken car engine and none of them know anything about it yes they have to do something no one wants to be the first one to break and say just fix it yeah. <laughs> but I, I also quite like the story that, that you came up with or at least you did come up with the story yeah right? well yeah. The, 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 what I essentially did was created a, a quite a limited sandbox so you were never ever going to be able to go over the bridge past the village you've reached or, the edge of the map or, yeah so you were pretty much uh, it was quite a large area in which you could interact with but <laughs> it was that was it there was always going to be something that happened that kept you from <laughs> um, I think we got that though. When we got to the bridge, and then it's just it's full of zombies and more zombies come attack you. It's like we're going to die if we do this. Mm, like yeah. we got, I think we got the idea that it would have been possible maybe to fight and get one person out or something, but we're all going to die. Yeah. Uh, so, so, uh, all you guys are like let's let's try over this. I'm just like fuck you. <laughs> I've listened to a number of dread games, and and the one that inspired me to do it in the first place was the one that um, Will Wheaton did on tabletop, mm. and that was a very good one because it was set. Uh, it was kayakers on a river. So it literally had a, you start here, you end here, you cannot leave huge the river. Huge ravine, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge ravine, so you can't leave the plot, essentially. And you just have to keep on sailing down towards this inevitable conclusion. And that's definitely the best format for any Dread game. You can't make it open. Well, horror, generally, yeah, you have to take power away from the players. Yeah. Mm. But um, I think that is probably my favourite. That's joint place with um, Sword Cakes... So no, cogs, cakes, and sword sticks. Yes. But we'll get onto that in a second. Because I have a problem with systems in that I just don't have the brain that can remember all the rules and the figures and, and the, what you're supposed to do here and how the combat works and stuff. So the fact that Dread is literally just a tower and you just say, pull a block because you're doing something, puts literally the most minimal amount of mechanic between you and the story other than just basically sitting around a table and telling the story collectively. Having said that, I would not be able to run a drug game. Can't do it. Because I cannot do horror. I, I, I want the players to be big damn heroes and succeed and all that sort of stuff. And I can't put people on rails and say, you will do this and this and that. Everyone got really down down heartened because it's like, oh, there's no point trying, you're going to kill us all. I'm like, what? No, I'm not. I was like, yeah, you said at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to kill you all because you ruined the story. I was like, yeah, but I didn't every, mean it. Everyone says that all yeah, the time. Exactly. I was like, <laughs> every, no, every, 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 yeah. <laughs> every single one of you could have survived if you just do, done certain things. And that's, there were that's a number, how horror yeah, works. There you were have a number to do of certain things. So there was only about two blonde, blue eyed, beautiful. You can't have sex. Can't have sex. You can't have controversial opinions that are sensible. You can't go off anywhere on your own. You have to be 
Nerdy. You can't sleep in a room with a mirror. Yeah. Never Sorry. investigate that weird noise. Yeah. Never investigate the weird noise. Never go to a hut in the middle of the woods. Yeah. Never, never go leave the house. Don't go into a garage on your own for beer because the rest of you, because everyone's left behind. I like that. You have to be Christian, but not mention it. <laughs> if you think about all, all those ones where the Bible yes. basher is the one that gets killed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Everyone else, yeah. Oh, yeah. that makes me sad. <laughs> the whole thing with Dread, though, with, with it being horror, is you have to understand the genre that you're telling it in. And, I, and doing that, I was coming to the tail end of about a three-year obsession with Max Brooks's The Zombie Survival Guide and World War Z. Um, and I, I was on... what? <laughs> Max Brooks? Yeah. I, oh, I don't I've know. I've seen him in interviews and things. Yeah, the book's really. I can't read the book because I saw him on TV shows. And today's special guest, Max Brooks. So it was literally, it was like if if you ever need a like a rule book for that game, it was basically the Zombies Survival Guide. Everything that was happening was happening as it was laid out. I helped someone write one. Uh, it was it was a large collaboration with a lot of HEMA people, um, and two of whom were like uh, authors and publishers. Um, I think they ended up just becoming publishers rather than authors because they realised that's the way you make money out of books. But uh, yeah, they did the the zombie apocalypse guide and whatever, and they went through all the um, types of armor you can have and all that. You know, where would you hang out and what kind of weapons would you be using and all that? Um, because that really... a load of HEMA people who experiment with types of armor and ways of using weapons and all that. It's like, yep, yeah, okay. Um, let's face it, we are doing HEMA for the zombie apocalypse. There's no other practical <laughs> reason for it. Well, I get very, very annoyed whenever I go into a bookshop because you always find the zombie survival guide in the comedy section. And it's, I swear to God, it's serious. It's serious. I have genuinely nearly complained to the management twice as a result of that because it, it, it frustrates oh, me so much. In the horror section, at least. Yeah, it frustrates me. Because it's not comedy; it's it's completely deadpan. And and the amazing thing is, my deadpan is a type of. Comment. Well, as in the sense that it's, <laughs> it's written entirely seriously. And my favourite quote about the book is from Simon Pegg talking about the fact that you start reading this book as a bit of a joke, and by about a, a third, half of the way through, you're wondering where you can genuinely buy a machete from. Yeah. That's how good it is. Yeah. I'm just going to say no, but <laughs> I realised I'm not typical. <laughs> you already have, like, three dozen swords. Is where, where am I going to put that extra machete now? <laughs> 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 well, to be fair, that would be a weapon I would choose. I would actually go for a cutlass because a machete with a handguard. Oh, nice hanger. Crowbar. Crowbar every time. It's Hangers aren't robust enough. I do love a trusty yeah. crowbar. Crowbar. Yeah. just got so... A machete is a crowbar. <laughs> yeah, and, well, no, crowbar just nice has... Nice crowbar. Yeah. <laughs> crowbar just has so much functionality. You can put nails in, you can take nails out, you can build things, take things apart. Oh, yeah. If you can have one all-purpose tool. Yeah. I'll, I'll, so, I'll, I'll yeah. raise you... Crowbar. Crowbar. Polax. Yeah, but that's just a weapon. Pry bar as well. It yeah. is a pry bar. If it's got a cue at the end, if it's got a, a thing at the end... Massively unwieldy, though. Not really, no. Because they're not that much heavier than, like, a, a one-handed mace. No, no, they're no, just no, on no. a really I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about he- heavy weapons. I'm talking about, like, yeah. As I'm getting wise. around, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, if Walking you have t- any tight spots to get in or out of, it's like, you know, he's, he's you got that. I would, he's not I would talking say, about like a main ghost or something. He's talking about mm. about as high as you, so about as high as a quarter staff. Just have to the be accent on one hand and about the other. And doing lots of stuff with weaponry. I would say that a longsword or a rapier at your hip is more unwieldy than a stick that you hold in your hand. Mm. Um, but if you have a short stick, uh, that is less um, 
convenient than having a long one. If you have a long one, you can rest it against your shoulder while you do things with your hand. But if you've got a short one, you have to rest it against other parts of your body. It's going to fall off. So what over. you're really saying is that size does matter. Yes. And girth. Well, yeah. Girth makes a massive difference. And it also depends if it's soft or hard. Mm. Always. <laughs> well, what you really want is, is it, you know, something that's nice for indexing, like octagonal or square. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I like, a, I like a nice American walnut because I like my wood hard and black. <laughs> I was a carpenter for five fucking years. If there is not a joke, I'm not I got to the stage of having to make two wooden dildos to stop people making shitty puns at my uh, training. Yeah. Um, so, did the wooden dildos ever sell? Presumably they did if you kept having to make them. They did, yeah. <laughs> There, there was there was a lady who went past who just like looked, looked around and instead of like doing doing like the normal kind of ooh you know kind of uh, like oh a little bit of shock and kind of like oh I've just been thinking looking at these things and going oh they, those look a bit rude and those because like uh, dagger trainers look yeah. like like potato dibbers with a bit of a ball on the end so they look a bit like sex toys and people are like look at that and all the like there's the huge like mallets that I would make it's like lead bound hammers and things um, like things, yeah. Uh, and people would look at it and go, and then they see the dildos and go, and they're like, oh, I've been caught out. Oh, that's not funny. Right, fine. Um, I'm not as original as I thought I was. Uh, and people would make that face, or people would look at, look at it and go, um, like ladies of a certain age would look at it and go, how disgusting. But there was one lady who just like went past and just went, <laughs> and so I wonder, it looked like I'd made her day. That, that reminds me of Harold. And she, and she, and she came back and I just went, look, I'm winding down business. Do you want these? <laughs> but, is it not the um, worst possible material for a sex toy? No, if it's no, um, definitely not dishwasher safe. It's you, um, you can get you, know, you get some really good varnishes oh, okay. that are like like glass, like yeah. literally a glass finish kind of thing. Well, it be finely sanded and oiled. Yeah, no, 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 toxic shock. I don't want an oily sandwich. Uh, it <laughs> needs to be um, sealed with proper poly- polyurethane. Like shellac doesn't work. It's there's. It's too much organic stuff in there. You should pause your stain. So everyone who's listening who wants to uh, be make involved a this, wooden yeah, cock. to make a wooden cock, uh, firstly, there's a fucking science to it. I wouldn't have been able to do it for a living. Like The stuff people make is amazing. Um, <laughs> I did research. I had to set a price point. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like... Uh, it could be like the organic version of that sex toy brand. Is it Lilo? The luxury sex. Oh, the, the, no, no, there is, there is one. There's, there's, there's someone who, who really makes them, and it makes them like with curves and things like that. Mm. But he doesn't just cut the curve out; he, he, it will bend the piece of wood. Um, but to do it, like the science behind it's amazing. So, so to make a, a dildo, like so, let's say like nine inches long, which is a sort of workable-ish length, maybe a foot long. Um, to get the curve into it, now sound like a sandwich. Yeah, you have to start off with a piece of wood that's about five feet long. Otherwise, it just won't bend; it'll crack. Um, yeah, it's like the, the the amount of work that goes into it is just fucking immense. Um, so I have a lot of respect for people who make wooden dildos. Uh, well, really hard yeah, work. And having been to a number of fetish fairs over the years, I can tell you they sell for quite a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, I mean they're worth it. The, the, the they look really good on the shelf. Mm. It gets into that set of like fair. Yeah, if if you're going to go through like your 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 well, master's think, qualification in woodworking, like one of the things you can submit is a wooden dildo. At least once a year. Do they? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, down, it's near the um, Soundgarden. It's above Soundgarden. Oh, I don't uh, know where Soundgarden is. Opposite. No, there was, where there, was the some, there, there was one you know by the Thirsty Scholar. The, 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 the exhib
It's worth right. going if it's a bit of an eye opener because in the basement is all the um, the kink animal stuff, but then upstairs it's just all the steampunk jewelry and clothing and stuff like well, that. Well, they, so. they do they do shows like they did a, the last time I went, they did a burlesque show and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, then obviously you've got obviously you've got some some things that are just there for display. They're not generally for sale because they're ridiculously overpriced. Uh, but then obviously you got you know reasonably there is a rich priced, person who will buy anything. Yeah, you've got your reasonably priced goods. You, you get um oh, oh, yeah, it's definitely worth going. It's Really interesting. Whenever you say things that don't sell because they're ridiculously priced, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Some of, some of the nicest stuff I've seen were um, watch cogs, brass watch cogs, cogs um, set in um, resin, done as cufflinks, and they were gorgeous, but yeah, they were nice. like mm. 30 quid or something, and I just mm. couldn't afford them at the time. Uh, what moves us quite nicely on to Swords, Cakes and... Cogs, Cakes and Swords, Cogs, Cakes and Swords, which is my other <gasps> favourite... Oh, yeah! yeah! That was so much fun! Gentlemanly conduct in an ungentlemanly world. <laughs> yes! It's... In the ending, we're all just having a pint in the pub when the plot yeah. walks yeah. in front of the windows behind us. <laughs> yeah. We did our fucking job and then we clocked off and had a party. It's the only game married yeah. British, you couldn't get any better. It's the only game we've ever played where noping out of the plot at every step of the way has made it better. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I would like to say as well that the author uh, is aware of it but hasn't listened to it because mm-hmm. she doesn't like listening to people play the games mm-hmm. like, unless she's actually there and that sort of stuff. Um, That's cool that she knows about it though. Yeah. Um... I might actually get her to run something eventually, but like uh, when she's got something to plug. But yeah, um, that was so much fun. It uh, was really good. That yeah. I enjoyed it. No, uh, I think I think we all did sort of feel a little bit lost at first because it's a new new system, one we've never yeah. done before. And, and that scenario is is literally supposed to be it's also very early days for me. How and when yeah. you're supposed to roll dice? That's it. That's why there's almost no plot that happens. It's you're on a train, the train gets robbed. Um, you've got this thing. Uh, these people are thieves. Somehow this makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. It's just I don't actually think there's supposed to be conflict about that thing. It's just you've got this thing to protect, and then there are some thieves later. They're not related to the thieves. They're not, they're not uh, looking for the thing you've got. Nothing's connected. Robbing the train. I, yeah, I just remember connected. that. Like, there's two remember. groups of thieves. They're not related, and it's just like okay, go through this. It's just all little bits of flavour. But I was sitting there thinking, well, how do I relate this to that, and then make these things go? But because you guys were like, no, we're just delivery guys. We are going to nope out of this with extreme violence. <laughs> Dave's character taking constant blood showers. It was just, <laughs> I just remember the part I loved the train part. I was like, why are you killing us? This is just a day job. <laughs> yeah. Dave! Shut the fuck up! Dave! Ah! Fight, Dave! Help! <laughs> I, I just thought to myself, like, you guys are ultra-violent. Like, the train pirates have to have a sustainable living. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, let me just rob you and leave you. We can rob you when you come back as well. Jeff! Why do you kill Jeff? Yeah, thieves, thieves don't kill people. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was, that was, so, that much was so much fun. It was a really good yeah. game. Really enjoyed yeah. that. I, I felt like there were definite shades of... Um, the Thieves Guild from um, Agnopoc? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah there was elements of that. Yeah, that was that was definitely the most um, uh, Discworld I've ever gotten. Yeah, yeah that, that was so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Because anytime I'm doing a Cockney voice, that I mean Discworld. Yeah. Straight yeah. out, I mean Agnopoc. <laughs> yeah, straight into Agnopoc with the, with the Thieves Guild and everything. It's like, mm. you, you, yeah, you've got to give him a receipt. <laughs> <laughs> The only the only joke you missed in that one, you never said um hostile work environment <laughs> yes. Do you know anyone who works in media? Uh, 
Um, Set my HR manager on you. <laughs> but yeah, the Cockney accent just gets me right into that mindset of just like the, the job's worth kind of greasy bastard. Yeah. Um, the other favourite... Actually, no, I'll save that for favourite moments. Okay. Continue. I quite enjoyed the, uh, the Blue Planet one. There we did when yeah. Yeah, that Yeah! Uh, that was again before your guys, but it was literally like... Yeah. We yeah. never published the episode. We specifically didn't record it. Yeah. Um, we just talk it was, about it. It was fun. And the guy who wrote the um, the, the, the game, Jeff Barber, mm. got in touch with me. Yeah. And he was... said, oh, you know, I can, I can see a point, but I respectfully disagree. It's like, you know, the, we said the, the combat was too complicated and was too deadly kind of thing. Yeah. Right? Like, it's, it's supposed like, to be. It's supposed to be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, your character, your character very much like Dark Heresy is not expected to survive. Yeah, um, but the well, actual... if if you go down the violent route, you're not expected to yeah. survive. You yeah, are supposed, supposed to be supposed to be diplomatic, diplomatic and, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, unless unless and he said he said like you could do a game like that, but you would have to all be completely skilled towards that. You'd have yeah. to be you'd have no other skills other than combat. Mm. You'd have to be special forces, and that's what you do. But. I, think so I don't mean, have to be characters like any of mine. Yeah. yeah. Ever. But he, he, did, <laughs> I did say, he did say that we sound like we're having fun and that was good and all that sort of stuff. And he also said, uh, I just said, have you got anything to plug or whatever? So I sort of plugged that on the, the show, whatever. Just plug his next um, uh, thing that's coming up on Kickstarter. But then he said, uh, uh, yeah, and if you, if you want to have a go at this again, just go for it. And here's all the updated stuff. We're going to relaunch it all. Here it is. I, I'm, totally, I'm totally going to re- resurrect Bartok. Fuzzy, fuzzy no nose blue, blue chimp. Mm. Inspired by um, evolution, I can't no. me remember what character I played or anything. You're not, a cat. Yeah, was I? You yeah. know, from not being able to listen Uh-oh. back to it and not having Kate's done any notes or anything, I I remember the story and what we did and where we went. And, 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 and he was he was a he was a fucking homicidal, gun-toting killer whale. Yeah. <laughs> and the me- was it like the memory poos or something that were floating around? Oh, God. <laughs> interaction yeah, with- it's- <laughs> yes, the, 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 the poos in the walls. Yep. Mm. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, living poo. <laughs> and then through the walls. And like, singing poo. Singing poo. Singing poo, that was it. And then, and then you had the whole... The whole the Christmas poo. The, the, <laughs> the brain melt chambers and shit. They were... It was, oh, it was fantastic. With, with the freaking... The dolphin missing half a brain and shit. Mm. Um, I think I was, really I was guilty good. of trying to make... Think, think, and shit, have you, have you, think, think the abyss. Mm. We had yeah. to go. We had to go down into oh, a, into, yeah. a, into an abyss underwater to rescue this um, science station, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the science good. station that had basically been the, kidnapped. The concept behind the game is is Earth gets faster than light travel. We find another planet. It's predominantly an ocean planet, and we settle on it. And then something goes wrong with the technology, and they get split up for a couple of yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a war on Earth or whatever, yeah. and the, the technology is also very slow. And then someone finds a uh, a wormhole creates a wormhole between yeah. the two so it's now instantaneous yeah. so and then, then and then obviously you get all the the, um, the biological mutations yeah. so by the time they actually go back to this planet everything has completely changed they've got their own ecosystem their own government everything yeah. and it's just like hello we're from Earth uh, good, good for you yeah so you get the natives who are like mysterious you know Animal hybrids, there, yeah. yeah. Some dodgy shit going on while we have no contact with Earth. One of, yeah. one of, one of like the, the the actual natives, the people who um, the the alien species who lived there, um, and then there's the people who settled first, who are all hippy dippy kind of you know they've they've adapted biologically to the world, they've uh, spliced themselves and with various animals to um, be able to survive the aquatic environment more. There's there's islands, but not a lot. And then you've got this massive influx of evil corporations. 
You just want to come and exploit the... Uh, yeah, so it's very... Because yeah, we're human, that's what we do. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's basically... Because reality... You're kind of supposed <laughs> to be eco-terrorists. It's kind of a really nice blend between, like... That sounds like fun. It's kind of like an interesting blend between, like, Blade Runner and <gasps> um, Avatar. Mm. Avatar. Like, Abyss, Blade Runner... A good version Avatar. of Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. And Waterworld. Yeah. Avatar, Avatar without the plot or the actors. Uh, both. <laughs> just the planet. Look, just, I, the, just the planet. I like dancers with Smurfs. I don't understand why everyone's got such a, a, an issue with it. I it's because it. the plot. The plot's you know it was Terrible. it was Native Americans versus American settlers. Well, it, it, was, was, it was just it was. Just, it's been done. Yeah. The bad guy was too much of a bad guy. If you'd have tried to make the bad guys a bit more sympathetic to it, he was that, I, I avoided all trailers to that movie. Everyone raved about it. Everyone, I said, don't tell me anything. I didn't watch a single trailer. I had no idea what, what it was about, other than the fact that everyone was raving about it. Went to see it. And then, you know, the opening panning shot and the strip mine. I'm like, oh, yeah. no. If it had been. No, 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 no. The bad, and if, then, it been, then, Earth if, is, if it's been Earth is literally dying, we have got no plan B. Here's yeah. this thing. And it'd be like the people who just want to take over and the people who want to coexist. Like, like that would have been that better. That would have been interesting. That yeah. would have been actual sci <laughs> As it was, it was just. It was, it was a typical story of humans come just in, fuck everything up, kill everything, and... Which it was a Steven Seagal movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where, Steven, um, where the Italian Steven Seagal plays a Native American. Hey, you criticise Steven Seagal, you're on dangerous ground. <laughs> 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 oh, the of all this, who got to see it in 3D at the IMAX? Me. Can't watch 3D. Not in IMAX. IMAX. But it was beautiful 3D. It was uh, stunningly yeah. visual. On the IMAX in 3D, because it was totally immersive, because you just could not see the corner of the screens in your, in, in, in your field of vision. Mm. It was... Because I'd read the articles about people getting depressed after seeing it, because they were coming out of it and going, oh, I can't really go there. And I was like, oh, don't be fucking ridiculous. And I came out of it, and I was like... I was actually a little bit depressed for a couple of days afterwards, because it was so... Immersive, well, beautiful. you couldn't go there or do anything with it. It was, it was a strange experience. Oh, it was stunning. No film has just ever, a shit movie. Yeah, no film has ever visuals. been as immersive in 3D as that. It is the pinnacle yeah. of 3D. I, 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 I haven't been to a 3D movie at, since then that I thought was any good. I don't yeah. bother now. So, mm. so, the only thing I've, I've actually been excited about the prospect of in 3D um, has been like, you know, watch The Hobbit and all that stuff. It was all very interesting and that was actually really well done, but. The only thing I'm actually excited about is I have to save up now for uh, the 3D PlayStation thing because I want to play Elite in 3D. No. As it evolves and sort of beyond planets uh, looking around here. Yeah. Um, um, and just be like going through starfields or whatever and sort of going through nebulae and If. Yes. Those things. If you ever find yourself down in London, because this is about the only place that plays it now, um, the big IMAX that they've got down there, which is part of the Science Museum. Has 3D a, IMAX PlayStation. Yeah, no. <laughs> they have one, only two thousand pounds an hour. <laughs> yeah, they have one where it's essentially it's it's an entire thing talking about the history of the, the Hubble telescope and and the various trials and tribulations they had with it and when they went to go fix it and etc. Oh, and I did that at, um, yeah. at uh, Kennedy Space Center. There's yeah. a there's a three D thing now. It's, it is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. But except because I. I was at the stage where I was just about starting to really need glasses yeah. and I hadn't got them so it didn't work they, ah. so basically because the Hubble can be in two different places to take the same shot they can essentially get 3D shots mm. of, of this stuff and then using computer manipulation to make it even more so they would go here's a beautiful nebula now we're going to zoom in in that star and you just zoom in on it all and it was just yeah. magical mm. 3D and IMAX uh, again at it's absolute mm. best I so wish we had a 
We do, don't we? Yeah, we have an IMAX. Actually, it's a mini IMAX, but it's still an IMAX, yeah. Everyone, everyone who can, if you go to Florida for Disney World stuff, make the trip out to Kennedy Space Center. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, I've loved The it. problem is, I, I have been, but I was like eight, so. Yeah, and it's all way, They had IMAX. It was one of the first IMAXs, and I had to go to the IMAX. But they didn't have, obviously, way before 3D. Because like, I stand, standing in front of the, um, of the, the used... Um, or well, un- unused and sort of propped up um, engines and stuff. The space shuttle and uh, Saturn V rocket, and he's sort of like, "Shit, a brick!" But also, then you look at it and go, "Hang on a second, this isn't stuff that like was used and came back to earth. And was this is one we were spare." <laughs> yeah, fuck. Apparently, and then, and then um, being able to actually tuck a, touch a, a bit of moon rock, and then look at that and go, "Actually, yeah. a second, this is quite smooth. I'm touching the grease off of hundreds of yeah. thousands of people's fingers." Yeah. Uh, Apparently, uh, um, space launches are far more interesting now because previously it was you'd stand around for ages, the blast off would happen, it'd take a couple of minutes, then you'd go, "Wow, that was amazing!" You'd go home. Now you get the blast off, and everyone goes, "Right, it's going to be about seven minutes," and then the SpaceX rocket comes back and lands. So you get a t- you know, we you hope. Know. Yeah, it is impressive that it does it at all, but it's hardly reliable. And then there's the competition of what things can you do in Don't seven worry. minutes. I, I am an Elon Musk fanboy, but yeah, it's doesn't quite work yet. Anywho, so... Write um, in with your suggestions of what you can do in seven minutes while you wait for a SpaceX <laughs> <laughs> booster rocket to come back. Don't ask our audience that. <laughs> twice with... Time <laughs> uh, um, so we had also uh, the noisy, noisy person cards. Yeah. Sorry? So we had the noisy person cards. Cliche. Oh, 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 oh noisy person cards. And uh, Star Wars boxes. How long till you mm. can actually buy noisy person cards? You will not ever be able to buy the, the game noisy person cards that we have. Yeah. Can't happen because it got bought by um, Hasbro, yeah, who then turned it into a family game. But because they own it, and it's, it's noisy, per- a thing called noisy persons or whatever. But because they bought it lock, stock, and barrel, they own it. And so, um, Paracos and Press, one shot podcast, Cat uh, and James, yeah, can't sell it anymore. They can, they all they can do is give away the copies that they personally had. But they can't sell it, and they can't do. Uh, they can't publish it in any way, so they can't do the, like the print it home version anymore. So how how familified is the Hasbro version? Very, it's kid friendly. Because I don't remember it being that crass. We no, made it yeah, crass. Yeah, yeah. They, they, yeah. they took the concept, yeah, and they they made it more vanilla. So they took the sort of the fantasy setting concept out because not everyone knows what a kobold is, um, and it's like a, it's it's a cranky grandma or you know that sort oh. of stuff. So it's still apparently quite fun. It's still quite good to do. I know, but that was like that was the only thing I've ever played from a Kickstarter that I thought, you know what, I would, I, I, you know, I checked the Kickstarter was over. (laughs) I was like, the the, the, what they said um, afterwards is that they they put far too many cards in, so there's so much variety in there that even if they did expansions, there wouldn't be a demand for it because you've got so much stuff to go through. Um, like there's there's twice as much stuff in there as um, they just have to scan your copy and <laughs> yeah, pretty much do very illegal things. Um, so uh, like Joe's like asked to buy it and stuff, asked to, asked to borrow it like loads of times, but we just haven't been able to get it to him enough time to. Um, and you can't play it in Hell because you can't be on Skype. Yeah, um, I mean you could, but it would be. I I, I plan on playing it more often yeah. to like help people develop voices and stuff like that. It's like it's really good. Uh, Dave will win, but everyone <laughs> will come away with it. With it, like what? Your, your voice no! for the How We Roll game 
the that posh, from posh that, lady yeah. is, is from that because it got you out of your normal. You, you never did a posh boy. Oh, before. your posh lady was so much fun. Mm. It was so much fun playing a posh game. I loved pistol whipping <laughs> you both. Paul, one of my fondest memories of RPGing is tying you up and gagging you. <laughs> <laughs> and you just go, I'm putting the gag in. <laughs> I did get home that day. It's like, did you have fun? Yeah, I, I gagged. I, I I bound and gagged Paul. She gave me this look, and then just sort of, you know, that that two second flip of what? Oh, this is you. I'm going to say the explanation will be forthcoming. There's a thing I've noticed, which is when I'm playing a character, people refer to me as Paul. Whereas other people are referring to characters, they always refer to the character name. And the most slip-ups happen when I'm playing someone. And yeah, because you're always a DM. Yeah. You don't so, think of you in character oh, yeah. terms. Mm-hmm. Why, yeah. hmm. Or you all really want to see me die and suffer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, you're the DM. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Everything bad that's ever happened to any of our characters is all your fault. <laughs> uh, we also Not have the dice, you. We've also played um, three out of the five box sets that are available for the Star Wars role-playing game. Um, but only one of them has been recorded and will go out. One of them we played Escape from Our Shooter. That's probably um, the best one, I know, I think. three, three That's out the of first one. four. There's only four currently. Oh, there's four, yeah. So yeah. we played three out of the four. Um, but Escape from Our Shooter, there's a track missing from it. Someone's uh, mic didn't record, so we can't do that. Um, there's the Force and Destiny game that we were playing just to sort of see how the Force stuff worked, mm. um, which we didn't record because I just couldn't be asked to learn the damn thing enough. Boing! And it's really good. And you, you decapitated someone with a lightsaber, so yeah, it would make me happy. Mm. Um, and there was the to be released. Uh, recorded what the one that we did at, at um, yeah. <laughs> um, the never give Dave art. grenades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was the thing that made it possible to finish that in one session. That's, True. The, that's yeah. the only game that you've ever done in one session. Yes, yes. Because yeah. <laughs> I broke yeah. one. And everyone Which was on, on messages. I, I love. Sorry, I'm egotistical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we will, we will uh, do that one. But it's going to be weird because we'll go, this is when we recorded a proper actual recording studio. But it was our test session yeah. where we weren't necessarily going to have anything at the end. And there was a metal band in the next studio. But the amount of stuff they've managed to reduce out of that is amazing. Like, it's, it's more distracting is the little thumps on the table uh, because we didn't have shock mounts for things. Mm. Um, so it's that is actually more prevalent and more distracting than the metal band in the next door. Because they kept yeah, saying they, 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 they couldn't, couldn't hear it. Hear it. Yeah. Can yeah. you hear it on the recordings? Just. If you're really listening. And he, basically, um, uh, uh, Groshnack, the sound goblin, uh, got in touch with Matt. And he says, uh, yeah, if you put some music on it, on the, on the top of it, you won't hear it. And I was just like, okay, well, you're a sound engineer. You're probably looking at it and going, oh, what, there's all these flaws. I can barely hear it. Mm-hmm. So if I drop some music on the top of it, no chance anyone can listen to it. But I do like the fact that there's metal playing. So that's for coming up. Individual highlights. My absolute favourite. I can't remember the name of the game. I'm not sure if it was Minds of Fandalva or one of the other ones. But my... My um, my elf with the personality disorder. Oh no, that was way, way, way before all of that. We never yeah, recorded that. And was it, we never recorded. It. We we made reference to it several times. But you're playing the just... same storyline, by the way. I yeah. Keep, I keep telling you this, but you're like you can't put it together. Like when we first started playing D and D, and fifth edition was 
coming out. It was still, it was still in test. It was going to, it was still D and D next. I wanted to to get people up to speed on D and D and things, but then I thought, well, it's probably going to be closer to basic D and D than it is to first, second, third, whatever edition. So I got the red box and I said, right, let's play this. And then we got um, keep on the board, keep on the borderlands. That was it. Um, it was you two guys playing um, and uh, Mark from uh, Soulfine. Uh, and it was like, well, we're all fairly new to this. So it was like, here's some character quirks. I had all these cards, character quirks. Yeah. And yours was... You, you, you basically, you did like yeah, a... Pick, pick, pick one. Pick one. And yeah. it's like, I, I, I pulled one and basically it was it's it's alignment. Your, yeah, your, your character is insane. Yeah. I, had a D, I had a D12 and I had to roll it depending on the situation. And I'd either come out as lawful good... Lawful neutral, <laughs> yeah, true neutral. And for those of you at home who are playing the numbers game and you realise there are nine alignments and there's D12, chaotic evil was in there three times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hence, hence why what happened to Billy's character was one of the best things that ever happened. It was uh, basically, um, you were playing at, what was it, a, was it a bar so fight? Like, yeah, yeah. Yes. Paul, was, Paul was determined we would not have a bar fight because everything, you know, there's always a bar you fight. You meet in the tavern. There's yeah. a bar fight. Yeah. yeah, there's a bar fight. No, Paul was like, we're not going to have a bar fight. Um, Billy's character was uh, Preston Digitarian and he was doing some fancy it's magic tricks. Magician, yeah. yeah, fancy mm-hmm. magic tricks to try and impress a couple of ladies to take them home, you know, because that's what you do in a bar if you're not going to have a fight. And my character... I've made the mistake of populating the bar beforehand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my, my, and my character is a, a, an elf, and uh, Mark's character, we were just stood at the bar, we're watching, uh, watching Biddy's character, you know, doing his thing, trying to impress the ladies, and he's doing thing, you know, things with a coin. And um, my character just has a little moment, click, and the dice rolls, and it comes up chaotic evil, and he just shouts across the bar, what if he just dropped in a drink? Guardsmen <laughs> <laughs> stand up. Everyone's immediately on edge, and Biddy's like trying to talk his way out of it. It's just it's not awesome. going well. <laughs> so it was a great moment because he said, Okay, I'm going to flip this coin. I said, Right, I'm just going to make this coin disappear. Flips it and kicks this guy in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did, we did the typical bar tropes of picking up a jet, hitting someone with it, hit rake, bash. Yeah, so it was while his mate was looking at him going, What the fuck have you just done to my mate? And this bar stool breaks across his back. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was some of the most fun we've ever had, and I think it was definitely what started my... I mean, I'd always been interested in D&D, but I'd never found a group to play with. And just that one session immediately made me go, yeah, this I could do this for life. We were playing... Um, we, was, there was a last from work there, and there was uh, Joe there as well from, um, from, from Sword Fighting, uh, you know, a paramedic Joe. And it was it was the time when the first time I'd really been challenged as a as a GM because you split the party and it was like um, the the paladin guy just sort of went back to the keep and you guys were in the caves and I was like right you guys need to find this uh, essentially like all uh, the five chromatic dragons have burst out of this cave and, and like one of them is left the white dragon is left because you were at a level where you could fight one and maybe survive um, but then Joe went back to the keep and I was like well the dragons just you are supposed to come back and this is going to be laid waste to and destroy the keep on the borderlands. And, but he's there. And so we're cutting back and forth. And I was like, how the fuck do I do this? And, one of the I was like, and we just, we ended up going, uh, doing, doing rounds, just rolling initiative and doing rounds. And every time we came back to him, we just cut back to this castle. And it was, instead of the bullet time of combat, it was the castle is, uh, I, I dropped the castle in. So, right, everything is falling down, and it's it, like each dragon has taken a different area. So, over here, there's a lightning going off, and then here, there's fire going down, and it changes every round. 
because the dragons are all circling. It's like, and then this area is just covered with with poison gas and all sort of, And you're trying to get these kids out, trying to like rescue these people and those people, and like going down underneath various places. It's like, and so we cut back. I go right. You've got this much time to do to this thing, so blah, 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 and everything's happening. And then come back. You're fighting this white dragon. <laughs> come back, and everyone's like really, really stressed and really kind of in the moment. And going, what the fuck are we doing with the man? But and but everyone's having fun. Mm. That's, that's when I thought I can do this. I reckon I could probably make this work. Other highlights. It's a shame it never got recorded, but the um, the half session we did. There's all these things that were never recorded. <laughs> the bank job that we did. Yeah, because we only did half of it. Yeah, it was the phone call that we had between, between you and me, and I was the NPC. No, it was it was yes, it was um, no, it was the phone call that um, oh, was he called Dan Dave? Um, no, it was just the it was, it was in his yeah. flat. What's yeah. he called? Simon. Simon. Yes. Simon. No. Simon was on the call and he was talking to you about getting a getaway car. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and, and you're talking about this, and then you shout to someone in the background. I'm that person in the background, and we just start having this to and fro about what the fuck's he want that car from? Well, it's a beige Volvo estate. It's not a very good escape car. Right? <laughs> and you know, and just backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And, and it, was, it, was, it, was, it was trying to sort of uh, get get the guy to get the car that would be doing him over. Yeah. Without letting him know that it would be doing him over. So you know, so get get the shitty one with the with the the um was it the pink and chrome thing that's, yeah. that hardly works, but trying not to make it seem like that on the phone call. It's like, but so I'm, I'm going no 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 the good one the good one off the off 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 the second pile. But those are the shit ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was a really fun session. Mm. I, th- I think that was really nice as well in the um because. That entire session was what I decided was going to be you guys sitting around a coffee table in your lair discussing the plan. Mm. I never actually planned for you to like case the joint or anything else. You were just going to go straight into it. So then when I found myself in the situation where... Yeah. yeah. So mm. when I then find myself in a situation where I'm the <laughs> bank's manager and I'm sat down at our desk trying to, you know, sell you a bank account, it was like the most bizarrest role play I've ever done, but it was really quite satisfying. Mm. In a completely mundane kind of way. Yeah. Uh, your own character moments or those best character moments we go around. So what character moment have you That that was my character moment that I just did. Yes. With with the How was something that the actual character. listeners have listened to? <laughs> <laughs> Actually that's on you saying that, I think this is quite interesting as well because like I said, these are things we haven't recorded. People have already listened to pretty much everything we've already recorded. Mm. They know most of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's nice to be able to tell them something that they've not heard before, you know, something that's interesting and new to mm. them. Also, the fact that we will never be this good again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that game that you guys are playing, the Keep on the Borderlands meta plot, but also you both individually played the uh, mess, uh, Mensa um, Red Box game, mm. where it's um, like a, a castle with a load of kobolds in the front, and then you go underneath, and you played this for quite a while. You go underneath, and uh, I've got like four different characters for that one. Yeah, there's game. this Bargle the Wizard and all that sort of stuff, and it's like a classic. Oh, no, no, I never did that one. You no. did. You played. You you did play that with Joe and his missus. Yeah, you, know, so you, did, you did that be- before, but I you never got joined. In, you never got into the castle. You got to the point oh. where you yeah. got past the kobolds who were guard, guard in the front. Before I joined the group, that was, when, that was when I was still playing with Paul at work. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Uh, but that under the desks. 
under the desks. <laughs> yeah. You're, the, the game that you played in, Billy, that, that version was not the storyline. Adam, it was. That storyline is also the same storyline that was in... Which storyline? Of the four characters that I created? Different characters, same story. Say, same sort of universe that's happening. Um, and I'll tell you why, and you completely missed it at the time because I didn't have a fizz rep for it, is that... Uh, in that game, I gave you physical scrolls that I said uh, that said that had typed on it. So, you know, um, uh, in your own handwriting, you see the words. You may find this useful. And then yes, that was something me. that it was yeah. like a scroll of you know whatever magic missile or whatever. Mm. But it was this is in your own handwriting. So like, don't it was, it was like, don't read this out loud. This is you read this in your character's handwriting, and it says this. You may find this useful. Boom. And when you fought the rabbit in the dream. The Vorpal Bunny mm. indoors. Afterwards, you found the paw in the real world, in the waking world, <clears throat> and in it you found a scroll and it said, you may find it's useful, and I just said it's not in your handwriting. Same world. Ooh. Same antagonist. <laughs> and we, we might get there eventually, but that's like if we end up playing it for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so it's Easter eggs for you guys, but for literally no one else. <laughs> uh... Dave, character moment, what do you reckon? I have an incredibly short memory, but I don't know if this is us or, or you know, was Joe DMing for Sword Knot or whatever, but click. Click? <laughs> At the very end of the, the, the one we did, the, the Call of Cthulhu game that we did with Joe DMing, mm-hmm. when he has the, the with the <gasps> and she oh, oh, spoiler, and spoiler, had, spoiler. Yes, I had Steve the- Perry, the Steve Perry. Uh, yes, yeah, and, and for the whole so thing, she's good. she's she's carrying around the Steve Ferry, and I'm just. Does Joe remember? Is he gonna fuck me? Is <laughs> does Joe remember? Is he gonna fuck me? <laughs> and I'm just like, I'm not gonna ask that because if I ask that and he doesn't remember, he'll remember and he'll definitely fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to the end, and I was like, like, do, do, do you guys want spoilers? Bitch, I, I discussed it with Dave already. I know. Yeah, uh, and it was like that was like. Yeah, the, the Call of Cthulhu game we recorded. Oh, I've, I've listened to it all. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm totally up yeah. to speed. Yeah, oh, is it on there? So good. Uh, no, he, 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 Joe, 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 Joe. Oh. So yeah, I that was just... when you did that. I, 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 in my head, I kind of went, "Oh yeah, he did, didn't yeah. he? Oh my god, that's brilliant!" Everyone that was so, Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, and that's like that's the first time where I felt like. Oh my god, I've actually become an RPG player. <laughs> Not just a guy who gets player. drunk and does stupid that's, things that's, that's, and blow shit up. No, I've actually become one of them. That's one of the things that's like your black belt test for <laughs> yes. Lulu, is that now you can play Basketball Lethotep because you've, you've, you've graduated. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I've started taking notes, I've this played is, for the plot. What's happened? You actually investigate yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a player horrendous. who's not going to forget that his character speaks Arabic. Oh, oh no, yeah. Says I... the guy who played the, who played the character who knew like four spells for like seventeen sessions and never used one once. Yeah. <laughs> the game of Call of Cthulhu that I'm playing, um, I am playing the professor. I'm the nerdy one. I've got all the library skills. And yet, we're in this bar full of people speaking Arabic, and we're desperately trying to find out what they're doing. And we come out of it totally clueless. And it's only at the very end of the session where I'm putting the dice away, I look at my sheet and I go, oh shit, I speak Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, fuck! And I've never heard the end, uh, never heard the end of it. And um, 
last time we played, as a reminder, because I refused to get, I got the entire post-it note and wrote Arabic, Arabic on every <laughs> single sheet and just stuck them all over the house. We're and still now fi- you're on a government watch list. We're still finding them. <laughs> and like, like three months later, we're still going... Like we'll like bring like a tin of baked beans up the people downstairs who, and all like the people who buy door. your house after you're out of it. Yeah, they will <laughs> find one eventually. They're going to have a time. So I'm pretty sure this is not an Arabic tin of beans. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kate, as a listener who's binged, what what's your favourite moment generally of of sort of radio? What's the what's the one that's made you smile the most or go ah the most? Either listening or playing, do you reckon? <laughs> Oh, sorry, I'm redoing it. Um, <laughs> the Christmas episode. Oh, that was just horrendous. <laughs> no, that's why I thought that you were renting. I, Adam like... and I may never play Scotsman ever again. <laughs> Every time you do a Scottish accent now, I assume you're going to start talking about your fondly, fondly uncle. <laughs> yes. I don't know, I can't think of just one. Okay. I liked Liars, but we didn't record Liars. <laughs> That was the first time I ever played, and it was. Really Did you ever play Bev? It was. But Bev lives yeah. now. Yeah, but mm. she was better in Liars. Yes. Like she when she, she, she had Bev. Yeah, the little <laughs> soup demon. Oh god. I love the soup. Demon. You've got the soup demon back now. That's true. It's not the same. It's not quite the same. <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's the one that I didn't think about much. <laughs> I thought about all of the rest of them. Uh, my my favourite moment. Of the whole thing. Well, there's two favourite moments. One is the first character moment, first just event. The first, the, my favourite character moment was in Biddy's Star Wars game when we just leaned in and I couldn't keep a straight face. I just, I was just like trying so hard when, um, uh, what's it? We, we talked about the re-educational facilities and you and you were counting down as to like oh, you know, yeah, count yeah. to five and then it's like, well, can you not get to six? And like, that was enough. <laughs> yeah. People laughing about that. And he's like, okay, I'm going to count to five as one and two because I hear there are excellent re-educational facilities. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, no, this is just perfect. I, how can I not do this in real life? Um, <laughs> I couldn't keep a straight face. So I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of that. But it was such a good line. <laughs> I, I think my favourite moment for you was during the, uh, the Dread Zombie one where it's, Helen, 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 I don't mind that you were fucking the busty Helen. Don't so shoot me with that shotgun. I was just, it was all because Mike was trying to pull the block. <laughs> he was just being angry and angry like, shut the fuck up. Time concentrate. <laughs> But what I what I'd done is I um you you told me you're going to be a zombie or whatever and I I looked at it and I I researched rabies yeah because symptoms actually, of rabies yeah. because I thought you knew the source material I thought you'd read um uh, World War Z see so when I said African rabies to you yeah as in uh, that's the kind that's of thing what the original thought it was that's what they originally thought it was I thought you would just pick up from that so when you actually started playing it. As someone with rabies, yeah. it which is why yeah, he, he, has, works, he has an odd, violent reaction to someone offering him, offering him a drink because hydrophobia is one of the symptoms of rabies, <laughs> but also hallucination and all that sort of stuff and, and dissociative thought. And, uh, and so, yeah, he was just hallucinating that his dead wife was everywhere and all that. So, yeah, uh, but it was generally so much fun yeah, just you, to fuck with him so much. You, you, you were always going to be the first. person <laughs> He was about to hit me. You yeah. were always going to be the first person to die in that though, because. Uh, Possibly only the second pull you you made in the game, when the tower was still really stable, you would have to. Have I'm a liability. You, you, <laughs> it was like, yes, you just completely <laughs> just like just went. 
didn't, 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 didn't you like twist the freaking the, yeah, the, the entire thing warped and yeah, yeah. And it just made like, it so much more difficult for yeah. anyone else to pull blocks yeah. Yeah, like it was good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my, my, my favourite moment uh, generally in the whole of doing podcasting is when we did Rufus mm. and we did the whole breakdown scene and the music over the top of it and like mm. we we had to we, we sat and I, I, as I've told you, you there we, there will be a point in this you have to take this seriously mm. where you can't just you can't make jokes about this um, because of what was in your backstory and I was like you're going back there. Um, and that's going to be a big thing. That that will is is if anything that we do triggers someone, like as, as in actually triggers someone's issues and PTSD and all that. Mm. This is it. We have to treat this seriously. Um, and on, obviously with a big military sort of you know social military background, um, I, like I know people who have been through sort of similar sorts of things and you, you, you have been in that situation. Um, but it wasn't really forefront in my mind. It was just like, this is a really sensitive thing that could go into some very dark territory, so we have to take it seriously. But it was when um, a, a listener, long-time listener wrote in... Steve Perry. Steve Perry um, wrote in and said, actually, this has helped me describe how my PTSD works to my family. And it's like... I somewhere in the real world had an actual positive thing that came out of what we did. Mm. And it is, it is in, in a very, very small way, helped someone have a slightly better life. And I, that is the best thing I've ever done with my life, I think. Um, yeah, I, I can't think of something that tops that. There have been people who come to me from like martial arts people and have said, what you have done has made me safer, has made me feel safer or whatever. And that feels fantastic. But for someone to say, I've had an actual problem that's been fucking me up for ages and this has helped. Mm. Like, <gasps> You know, I think this this is the power of role play. Actually, I think I think in many ways it can be a very um, it can be a good source of therapy because it will allow you to catharsis. Yeah, it allows you to process emotions and feelings in a safe environment with safe people, and ultimately, and you know, if it gets too dark, someone's going to bring it back to dick jokes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, dick jokes heal everything. <laughs> But yeah, like, likewise, re- uh, reading the comment from, from the listener about that, it, it, it was a very strange experience to suddenly realise that what you were doing had meaning. Because up until that point, it had just been meaningless fun. Yeah. So, you know, God's Fall has a lot of meaning for people as well, because it's, it's, it's a very queer setting. And just the players who are playing it are all queer. And so their characters are queer. It's like, why would they play a straight person? Why would they, you know, they should, mm. I don't know. I, I play so many queer characters and I'm straight. <laughs> uh, well, what are you trying to say, Dave? Uh, but Nothing. I've thought like, about it a lot. <laughs> but they're, they're, not, they're not obviously trying to make a point. That's, this is who they are and this is yeah. what, what the characters like to play. Um, and so, it, but for people listening to it, it's then saying, these people are free in this world and I am not. And it's saying, they can explore this Maybe I can as well. Maybe it's a way that I don't have to come out to my, you know, Bible bashing family in Texas. Um, but in my D and D group, I can play a queer character and explore that a bit. And that's what it's like for me as well. It's like I will never have that outlet to actually go and, and explore my queerness because I'm married and I've made a vow. So no dick for me. <laughs> but in make one role play. I can do that. <laughs> but also, it's not, I know it's not going to go too far. Why does um, it always have to be with my characters? Yeah. <laughs> because Dave, you, you play along. You, you <laughs> fucking love it. 
You don't just play queer. You, you play role queer. play for the dick. You are, you, you are like... Oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> like a honeypot for queer characters. <laughs> um, you are Archer on roller skates. Yeah. <laughs> 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 a little bit. Yeah. Got a dick. <laughs> It's, it's never going to go past the line because there's everyone else around the table who also needs to get some of the limelight. So it's not a case of, hey, listen to me, explore my issues. It's not any one of us sits down and goes, I want to explore this idea. Yes, um, it's, it's not your own erotic short novella. Yeah, but, you know, so Dawes isn't, you know, all of, of, of Biddy's uh, nihilism and wanting to be the most evil fucker on the planet. There have to be other people who tell the story as well. Oh, you've seen nothing yet. <laughs> I was going to say, um... <laughs> Uh, but no, no, it's it's even uh, the best role play is you're always essentially playing a little bit of yourself. Yeah. Because um, you have to uh, do it. It's like, you're still it's using like, your brain. Yeah, you're still using your brain. It's still kind of your personality a bit. So it, there's always going to be a little bit of yourself that creeps into the character. If I were a sociopath, <laughs> how would that be? Yeah. <laughs> if. <laughs> if? <Yeah. laughs> If I could get away with it. <laughs> oh no, they're on to me. <laughs> the other favourite moment I have, again, this isn't with us, but it's the one, it's it's the main reason that I always, you know, my grandparents say, so what you been up to? You know, I've got DIY and I've got hobbies and I've got stuff. But usually the most sort of interesting thing I get up to is podcasting. So, you know, and I do a lot of, spend a lot of time doing it. And so I was like, oh, you know, where can I find that? And I have to remember that the first line I ever said that went out on the internet was, who do I have to fuck to get a drink around here? <laughs> and, you know, quickly change the subject. Yeah. <laughs> I have to remember that the, pretty much the first episode I was ever in, I, I took off an entire pirate ship. <laughs> so, you know, it's... You win! <laughs> and we made you do it in real life, yeah. <laughs> Roll to avoid coming in the eye. <laughs> Natural one. The first half of that game that we're playing was um, Mike came up with an idea. I thought, oh god, you typical fucking gamer. It's just like it's a card that detects boobs. The and best like, card. Yeah. In and the I'm world. thinking to myself, I can right the next one we're going to put out this. I can't let him get away with this because uh, I was thinking right to myself, I'm going to record something. So. Uh, I can't let him get away with that because it's too like no one knows us, no one, and that is too much sort of do broy kind of uh, boobs. Uh, um, but it's like, but you're in Narnia. There are boobs everywhere. No one wears a top in Narnia, so it's just going off every five minutes, every thirty <laughs> seconds. Uh, and just I will take this thing that you thought was sort of salacious and go <laughs> and might have been funny to turn boobs. And I will ruin you. Mr. Tonders runs by rubbing his nipples. But then it got weird about. Um, uh, Muppets and pigs and latex. Well, it was it was pigs, <laughs> it was pigs in late, latex blankets, wasn't it? In, yeah. the, in the end, of the episode name. Yeah, that, that was the, the the first one that never got that did get recorded. Well, it was um it was the weird thing in the because the, you, know, say, you don't have to get any weirder than the pigs were in latex. Yeah, you the, just the, the, the anthropomorphic the line pig, there. The anthropomorphic pig ah. uh, was a butcher. Yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> but his his TV had broken. And he was getting weird noises out of it and, and sort of weird experiences. And that was why the inspectors had gone there to in, yeah, into, in, have a look at that. And it ended up being a portal into Neverland uh, where there was time dilation and stuff going on. But like as they were searching his um, his apartment, it was like, well, what do you find? And one of the things was you find a load of uh, pork chops. 
because he's a butcher. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he's a pig. So like, I was thinking to myself, how would that work? So, like, it, just, it just seems interesting to me about, is that cannibalism? <laughs> um, but then it was like searching the restaurant. I was like, uh, uh, what, what else do you find? And in an early game of Inspectors, there was something weird going on with Muppets and uh, or Muppet-themed lingerie that people were finding. Someone had a Muppet fetish. Uh, that came out of that came out of that particular. Thing. I thought I'll just bring that back. And he's got this thing going on. I was like, oh, you find latex in the Miss Piggy outfit. <laughs> it just spiraled. That would from make there. sense for an anthropomorphic pig to have a Miss Piggy fetish. No, it was a it was a Kermit one. Yeah, the pig without the Kermit fetish. But then that got into the trope of the established canon of. Uh, if you're in trouble in inspectors, you find some meat and you stroke it. Yeah, because one of the, one of one of the guys wigged out and rolled a one. It's like, well, just say how you break down. He's just in this room. There's loads of pork there. He's just like, I'm just going to stroke some of this pork. <laughs> just okay, fine. <laughs> this is part of, part of inspectors training. You know, it makes you feel better. Yeah, happy place. Well, it, it's pretty much carried through to every inspectors game we've played, including. It is in every episode. It's it's, yeah. it's also it makes an appearance in the Star Trek one as well, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You make yeah. that out for spoilers, but yeah, yeah. When? I because someone wigs out, and I so I go over to the um, to the food replicator and get a pork chop and just pass it to someone and go, "There you go. I hear this will make you feel better." <laughs> or yeah, something along those lines. I can't quite I remember. Been but... completely missing that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so it's just remember that theme. one. Uh, but yeah, I think oh, the other Star Trek one. Yeah, yeah, I think it might have been in the other one, but just like passing. Mm. Um, so all right, let's let's get on to the wind up. Right, most. Uh, the most heinous accent. Who's um, the worst transgressor? Every accent I ever do, especially um, any of the high pitched ladies. You should listen to the massive mistake I made uh, of <laughs> making a decision on the fly that there would be lots of people with a certificate exit. They went down the fucking it's, side. Yeah, it's bad, but it's consistent. <laughs> I don't know, I have to put my southern bell up there. It just makes me cry inside when I have to do it. Because everyone loves it so much. Yeah, That's like kind of yeah. it. And nobody else has seen True Blood. I just think I, I'm, I'm like the queer character seen, in that. I've seen True Blood. The, the, the queer black chef. Oh, I, I think I just sound like him. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, but it's supposed to be a woman, and I sound like this Cajun, fem- Cajun if it works, male. If it works, just go with it. I mean... I've got to say, the only one that I, I haven't really genuinely had an issue with that you did, Paul, was Penny Meckersprocket. And that was because I, I make, because everyone thought I was making a joke when I said, can I do a language check? I was serious. I could not understand what no, you were no, saying. I, that was, that was and intense. it took me about three listens of the episode to actually be able to piece it all together. But I still, that, can't, that was, that was I still can't understand it. I yeah. completely agree. I could make no sense apart from the occasional word, which I thought was just basically, um, you know, like thrown in there to throw us off. I couldn't fucking understand the word. That, 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 that was the intent. Is is that, that because there's also a lot of slang in there, and she's using different words. Oh, mm. so you I was wish, it? What, did you bring her in on their game, yes, or yeah. were you coming in? To, he uh, brought it was, to was, how we rolled it in on first. one of our early games. Yeah, but you brought her over, didn't you? Uh, she I, came in and pestered. Uh, love flute. Oh, yeah. and love flute. Yeah, because uh, well, I wasn't I was there for. I didn't was, meet her. In because I've been a Patreon backer game. for um, how yeah. long? It was while you were doing uh, Patreon backers get to institute a NPC. So I asked her if it was all right to put this character from my game in there and say I, I want it. Did this. Joe play him? Play her because you? Uh, your game and my game are also watched by the same universe. I know. <laughs> and it was. Go, it was. I'm, I'm quite pleased it never. Um, uh, it never. It never actually went anywhere because we were going to end in the same place. Right. Yeah, and that was going to be awkward. I think you were going to get that. I mean, he was fun. 
Mm. Really, really fun. I like I like guest I like guesting on yours. Uh, yeah, it was a giggle. And I managed to sort of test the uh, a couple of accents out, mm. like the uh, the Northern Irish guy and the uh, the Yorkshire guy. It was the one that Joe did um, where we did the crossover in the Inspector's Game in the, hot- in the hotel? Was that a crossover with your? No, guys? that was a crossover with the Knights of the Night podcast. Ah, because that was a good one actually. That's I really good, enjoyed yeah. that as well. Yeah, the, the, the Knights of the Night also enjoyed it as well. They, they said it has it like it rapidly just, uh, deviates from theirs, like really like. You can see the common threads. That's not like we are copying your characters and yeah. the situation and doing that. It's like just taking the flavor and the general themes and going, how do you reimagine this as something completely different? Mm. And it worked pretty well. Um, and that, that was Mike DMing. Mike, was, sorry, DMing. Yeah, yeah, it was a Skype game that you played as well. It was like one of the, the few things we recorded on Skype. Mike. Uh, Mike. Mike. Okay. Because um, we met Mike, the, the Mike who wrote. Writes for Call of Cthulhu, mm. but also wrote a bunch of uh, Dark Heresy and stuff. Mm. Uh, biggest mistake? Letting <laughs> you decide one of my things. <laughs> Showing, up, yeah. <laughs> Showing up in a pub to, to meet some strangers, to just, you know, play some D&D and drink some beer and getting sucked into another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you knew like, what you were getting into. <laughs> like, I didn't know what I was getting into, and then the microphones come on, I'm like, no! We were sat at work and you went, oh yeah, we play D&D, you should come along. And I said, yes. <laughs> the best thing that's ever happened to you. Almost as bad as, yeah, I'll train with you at the gym, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a stupid decision. Yeah, what, just, what, what actual decision have you like, really regretted going forward in, like, in, in a game you had to play? Oh. Oh. Having a drunken pirate in the doors. <laughs> a drunken zen pirate. I would even let you have from, from How We Roll. Which was deciding on a name that you can't pronounce when you're drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Bartholomew Ormond or Osmond. Osmond, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fuck knows. Yeah. So, which one is canon? Uh, Ormond. <laughs> Ormond is, is canon. Mm. But they call him Oz as well. It's just it got really confusing. Yeah, because I'd be shit face. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm just very in character. I don't think there are actually very many mistakes that I dislike to the simple fact that I, I love mistakes. I love things going wrong because it makes you have to rethink how you're going to do things, how you're going to play stuff. It's like over the weekend, I was actually um, uh, down down south with some friends and we were playing um, some Pathfinder, but it was the... I'm so sorry. So, well, no, it was Pathfinder rules, but it was the one way it's the different realms. Um, uh, Ravenloft? Ravenloft? Ravenloft, yeah. Yeah, Ravenloft. You're right. And I kind of like was going into that as a rogue and Old someone just jokingly... Uh, made this comment that I was someone's butler and I just went alright and I just rolled with that and it, uh, all of a sudden I deviated from my plan mm. and and that's why I love mistakes and, and stuff like that because you just roll with it and it makes you do things that you wouldn't do normally mm. so it's all good I love it mm. there's some things <clears throat> again I don't think I've had it other than that I haven't had like disastrous characters I did try to do a German accent for how we roll mm. and I just could not nail it Mm. And it tortured me for week after week after week. Yeah, getting getting a voice slightly <sighs> wrong, but realizing you have to keep trying. Well, try, trying to yeah, yeah, trying to do German and then slipping into f- French frogifies. <laughs> but if you're oh! if you're just playing around the table and not recording it, you could just change the accent. And yeah, I just because it's a podcast. Because it's, it's like a podcast. People are listening, like, oh no, no, I'm gonna keep going. And because Joe, yeah, you know, decided that 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 that. <laughs> Story arc would last for a long time. It's our it's our new, most recent D and D actually, mm. which is a great campaign. I just find my character's accent utterly torturous. Mm. Utterly torturous. 
I think because I can't nail it. Yeah. I think going into Dark Heresy as well, um, believing <laughs> my own hype about Hack and the fact that he was an assassin and in my head I was like, oh yeah, he's going to be the dog's bollocks and they're just like, oh no, shit. You're a level one character. Yeah, no. exactly. It's, I think it's the biggest misnomer in all role-playing games is characters who are called assassin because yeah. assassin is the end point of where that character is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Dark Heresy is actually really good for that. If you actually look at the, the well, it used to be. Second edition's not so good, but it gives you as you advance, you get much more specific role titles at the beginning. It's very, you know, you are the gun guy. I can't remember what the actual ones are, but it's very simple. It's your role rather D&D than... D&D used to have that. Uh, in first edition D&D, um, you, you, as you went up the, the things, it was like, okay, you're a fighter. Okay, so level two, you are a squire. Level three, or oh, that might be like level five or something like that. And level nine, you're a lord. You know, and, and it's it, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to have a castle and all that sort of stuff. Um, and there, there the then became the assassin role that was this. This, this is a, a a class called assassin, yeah. and it and it started off as uh, level one assassin, and then it was like footpad, coupling, you know, all that sort of stuff, and then it, and then it got up to like level ten. It was like assassin again. You're like, here's your problem. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's like I should be good at all this stuff, and like I I keep saying like, and I've said on the podcast a few times before, like. The mistake I made with uh, Doors was letting, uh, not letting Mike as Bleak escape. Mm. Uh, because it's like, okay, here's this plot happening in this city. Here's your plot hooks now. And he's like, okay, I'm going to leave. Because it's what my character would do. I would, I would leave. Like, yeah. uh, well, he brought a character who we didn't discuss before. And we actually discussed a completely different character for him. And then he came with this, this new one. I'm like, oh. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, okay, it fits. You know, okay, fine. And, uh, it, did, it did make it very difficult to get along with his character. He was a lone wolf, and it, uh, the thing was, I think he'd he'd written a couple of short stories as well, like University, whatever, and that was a character from it. And he just wanted to see how that would go. Fair enough. I've done that before. Uh, never do that in role playing. It's a really big mistake. <laughs> yeah. It was a mistake when I did it. It was a mistake when he did it. Um, but then he's only noped out the plot, and I said, well. Uh, they've got to find you and bring you back mm-hmm. somehow and whatever and I just tried to make it really hard for him to do it but I should have said okay you get away free escape describe what Bleak does for the next couple of weeks right fine well another character and that's <laughs> it uh, now, now write a character who will engage with the story <laughs> and I think that's a mistake a lot of DMs make is say well write whatever character you want and then turn up no write whatever no. character you want that will engage with this story tell me why your character would engage with yeah. this story uh, and that's why you have session zero but honestly, that's not my biggest mistake in the podcast ever. My biggest mistake ever was, uh, you know, the first session we like, recorded with you? With you? No. Uh, <laughs> it was during that session, actually. Is we had the, the little recorders uh-huh. that were different recorders than we have now. Uh-huh. Uh, but I got them because I got uh, 10 of them for uh, like 20 quid. And... Each one of them <laughs> would randomly cut out a tenth of a second here, there, oh, like, yeah. all the way through. And so that session, it was in a really echoey room. It was, um, uh, there, there, there was very little control track there as well. So the control track was horrid because it's so echoey. Everyone's mics were a bit rubbish because they were, again, cheapy mics that were about a pound each or something. Like heinously cheapy mics. Yeah. And there was always work to do. And so it was like pulling teeth. It took me a week of solid work to make those episodes happen. And it was like, it was in canon, it was in story, and I couldn't lose them. So it was like, we can't just burn this and start again. Just, uh, that was the biggest nightmare I've ever had. And, and, and from that session, 
I just wiped my bin. That's it. They were just wiped my bin straight away. I very nearly ended the podcast because it was just, I can't do this again. Hmm. Uh, I was going to say, if you're going to start a podcast, you don't need hideous amounts of money on mics, but you need reasonable amounts of money. I'll tell you what, though, what's really good is having been in the studio, it tells us how good we can be sitting around a table doing a podcast where it's a bit chaotic. Behaving. Talking over each other. Yeah, I mean, but people still talk over each other and all that sort of stuff. And you've heard what Joe can do with it. Joe's a great editor, but there's still moments of bleed over. There's still much of it. And it's like, but this is how good we are. It is possible for us to get. Yeah. And it's not far off what we've got right now. Mm. I've asked someone um, to put together uh, a cost for doing some bespoke head mics and things like that, just to see how much it, w- it bespoke. might cost. Bespoke. Made to measure. Yeah, audio storm effects. I know what um, that means. Uh, <laughs> When it's, you said it was it's, like, it's a guy who makes. I didn't know you made. I thought you just bought the expensive ones. I didn't know they were like. Yeah, it's a guy who makes uh, boutique kind of um, studio effects and stuff like that. Britney mics. Yeah, to get us Britney mics. The mic Britney uses is six hundred dollars. Um, but to, but yeah, uh, huh. well, she goes through one a one a show, but uh, it, it's to uh, to get us to that level. However, with the mics that we have now, what we need. To get up to a level where it's virtually indistinguishable from those studio mics is to cut all that bleed because that's the issue is is us echoing on each other's mics. Uh, is if we take some cardboard and gaffer tape and put little cardboard baffles on right. the mics mm. so that so everyone has a head mic um, and so it comes out and there's a little shield in front of the actual mic. We take the dead cat thing off and just have a little pop guard and then there's like a a bit of cardboard that juts out just a tiny amount. It doesn't have to be a lot, but it cuts down everything from this direction. So it's just your voice. Or maybe the person right next to you might come onto there as well. Will get us up to near as damn it studio quality. Hmm. And then it's how, just equipment failures that, that How much were the uh, bespokes? Uh we haven't got the price yet. He's he's just looking at it. I told him not to kill himself because we probably never be able to afford it. No. Um, mm-hmm. but considering that I, I reckon we can get there pretty well um, the mics that we were using were 450 quid and the, uh, well, the, the three little ones were yeah. 450 quid each the ones that you and Joe were using and I was using as a DM were 700 quid yeah well, I mean, I, the, 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 the mic I've got which is a Rode is a nice one but you know the next bump up mine was mine I mean I didn't pay this I got a pretty amazing deal it was so good I actually thought it was dodgy it probably did fall off the back of the truck something <laughs> Uh, but it'd be about 120 quid just the mic and you have to have all the peripherals the next one up is 400 and the next one up after that is 1200 yeah. <laughs> so it's this huge jump after you get past the sort of 100 pound mark yeah like I've, I'm talking to like Aram from Gold's Fall and like he's, he's upgraded and all that but basically we're going to go to the setup that they were using yeah. with a bit more modification with the zoom with the zoom yeah for output they, yeah. they still, still use that and I think that they've got a new soundboard now but he upgraded to like these uh, the, the big stick microphones like and he's saying, yeah, I just upgrade to this, that, and the other. You can get it fairly cheap, whatever. Like, it doesn't matter how cheap. It doesn't matter if it's free. I have to put it in my car and then go to someone's house. And I have three hours to record the session, including all the bullshit that happens. I can't spend an hour setting up uh, all these mics and just and sound damping them and everything. And then go to someone else's house and set it up. And I'm like, no, no, it has to. Live. That that setup has to live somewhere. Or like, do what he does, which is fly to where he records <laughs> once a month or so 
and then record two days worth of Is he still stuff. flying back to DC to record it? Yeah. Bloody hell. Okay, just before we go for the down, because we're about to run out of time for you, aren't we? Alright, was fine. Yeah, no real rush. Oh, I was just going to say, because the last question we did was a downer question. Need a final topic. Worst, to worst moment. moment. Yeah. If it lifts everything back up again. Yeah. A little bit. Okay, well, I've, I've got a couple there. Okay. Some of my favourite other characters' moments from everything we've recorded. Unfortunately, um, most of them are not recorded in previous sessions. <laughs> um, most obvious one being Dark Heresy, the drop harness. That was absolutely perfect. Just, I'm going to be the flashiest bastard yeah. ever. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I love the lead up to that. It's like, I'm going to get up as high as, wait possible. To, as high as possible and wait to jump on them. And everyone else charges out past him and he's just like, Guys! <laughs> yeah, absolutely perfect. Fantastic. You couldn't, you, well, we weren't making it up, but you literally couldn't make that shit up. It was, it was just perfect. I loved, I loved how much everyone hated Elvis. When we were in the tunnels and he's like, I'm going to climb up on the roof and he's like, right, okay, we're all just going to carry on. Sprinkle salt on my face. <laughs> and, like, yeah. and he's like, uh, still up on the roof like, like it's, uh, that, that was when I was beginning to connect with Hack and it was in the episode and decided he was going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That and when, when we did this whole thing, like, I discussed with him about his death scene. You know, what was going to happen? He was going to get controlled and he was going to come back and he was going to try and kill someone. And the instant he comes back, your character just shoots him in the face, no hesitation. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I thought there would have to be at least some sign. Nope. I suspected. Bang. Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> the world has just gone to shit. The worst nightmare that could ever possibly happen, ever. That couldn't really even happen. It just happened. Boom. <laughs> and now my friend who just died is back. Fuck that shit. I, I think a character that we haven't mentioned and, and we have to give props to is uh, Frost on the Hillside. Oh, I love Frost on the yes. Hillside. I have... Oh, we, ne- we never got around to it, but I do have him on here as well. Frost on the hillside. Short-lived, but but will live on in infinity. Fucking Frost- forest angels. Frost on the hillside is um, Yaska's spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the idea that they actually did train together. Or I, in my head, they did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's why he disappeared without a trace. <laughs> I did like this. Eaten by a bear. Yeah. I did like the game of... Speaking of Dax, I did like the game of Once Upon a Time that we played, where I've been telling... I keep telling you guys certain things, and spoiler alert for other things, so let's not go into it, but the game that we played, um, which was the Dungeon Crawl, which led to a lot of people not being happy, (laughs) I, I warned you that this is adversarial, I warned you it's old school, and the reason we're doing this old school, and I'm going to kill you, and you are, I'm not, not just joking, you are going to die, all and like, and no one believed me. And that happened for uh, once upon a time. I said, look, I will win this game. It's, the, the, the problem you have with that game is that the, the, the whole idea of it is, it's, it's a fun story narrative game not, not like Paul plays it. With not. a small amount of competitiveness in it. <laughs> Paul's, no, I'm going to win. Well, the thing is, though, I'm not. It's that, it's that people look at it and, 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 and Cheryl looks at it and goes, it, it, was, it came across very much like you wanted to win when I played it the first couple of times with um, uh, like my in-laws and stuff. So it came across as you were being an asshole and just wanted to win. And all it was, was I got a hand of cards and looked at it and I saw a story. Because that's how my mind works. Um, like, I, I can't understand something until I tell myself a story about it. 
it, I just can't stop doing that. So um, the first game is I got the thing, and I was like, I've just told you this. I told you I'm going to win, uh, because this is what happens. And I got the cards, I looked at it, and it's the same as happened twice before, when I've played before. I looked at it and said, and just rearranged a couple of cards when I can tell this story, and it has no hold. And it was it's not a case that I'm, I'm trying to... <laughs> It's not that this made me think of um, Austin Powers when uh, he's, he's at, when he's just been defrosted the computer's like evacuation evacuation evacu- evacu- <laughs> 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 oh, Yeah, like I wasn't I wasn't trying to shut people out of being able to tell a story. It was just this is a story apparent to me in front of me. The idea is to link the things together in a story. And if I had stopped to go, hmm, I don't have any ideas now, I don't know where to go, I would have been lying. I just did it in a more entertaining way than that. I could, if I'd done it deadpan and go, I'm sorry, guys, I just, it wouldn't be fun for anyone. But the fact that then you guys had to tag team and, and gang up on me and just, like, I had to be rooting for you in the end for you to win this last game, it sort of turned it around and it made it more fun. But like, I'd warned everyone. I was not allowed to play this game anymore because it's not fun for anybody <laughs> if I'm playing it. Which game is it? I wasn't there. Once upon a time. I Storytelling there. card game. I wasn't there. No, no. I wasn't there either. I played it once with Biddy. Yeah. It was all right. No. Yeah, you, you need more than two people. Yeah, really. yeah you, need, you need a really good antagonist. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I've, I really like the game, though. It's the thing. I really, really like it. But what I, I suppose what I need is to sit down with a lot of people who are writers, who are you know used to doing that, and really get competitive with it. And I think I'm, I'd lose. <laughs> but I'd, I'd enjoy it a lot more. But that, that way that other people would find it fun to play with me. It's like with the adversarial thing with the D&D. I, I just don't think taking 4th and 5th edition characters, D&D characters, and putting them in a 1st edition situation is any fun what I wanted to do with that was to show you because I get like I know this, a lot of this in jest but it's like you're going to make us die you're going to put us in your railroad or whatever like no that's railroading that is mm. antagonistic stuff I as a GM want you guys to tell a good story that's what I want all I want is good role playing I want mm. good storytelling and interesting stuff and funny things like, that's what I want and that's what I, I'm always thinking about when I'm GMing is what's happening in the world how can I make you guys shine and how can I lead you to situations that are going to be entertaining for me and for you and whatever? <clears throat> because it's too easy just to kill you off. It's too easy just to say, oh, well, you haven't. Um, you, you said you were checking for traps, but you didn't say you were checking for specific tripwires. No, like, it's... Yeah. Yeah. But the, so it was to give you a taste of what that environment is actually like versus what, like I, what I do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> we tasted it. Yeah, but I, it was I also like grandma's cooking. I also wanted something. Uh, Grandma had Alzheimer's, so cooking wasn't good. I I, yeah. I, did, I did want something that would also shock the listener as well. Mm. Um, but it showed trust. it showed me how much you you guys trust me. <laughs> not at all. No. Like as far as you can throw me. Yep. <laughs> Dear God. I think I think the main reason I I had real difficulty with that is because like I said, it, I was having really a huge amount of difficulty connecting with Rue. In, in the previous session when we were playing normally. So then when we suddenly found ourselves in a situation where we were just being 
you know, aggressively thrown to the lions. When, yeah, thrown to the lions when you're having difficulty connecting with your character was a bit too much for me. I yeah. Mean, yeah. I, I, I would actually like to go back and play that that particular um, scenario again, but do it like a board game. Just not do anything. I, I would love that. I, I would but like with custom, with characters yeah. for that game. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of Specialised, hardcore, yeah. professional, no-nonsense, do, do boring do as fuck. Huh? It's for levels one to three. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be a fucking grind. You are going to die. I was being so nice letting level five characters play it, and a level ten is, is OP for it. You still fucking die. <laughs> I, I regret not letting my character die in that so I could play Exceptional Meredith. Because I quite like Exceptional Meredith. Um, Who's Exceptional Meredith? She was my level... Was it level 15? Was Don't care. I love Exceptional Meredith. Exceptional Meredith can come back. Can't come back. They fought she a rabbit in a dream and found its paw in the real world. Out of nowhere. <laughs> That's the thing, is I, I love There it. is a blurred line between dreams and reality. I'm just gonna have loads of inception boires constantly. <laughs> when we actually edit, when we actually edit that, I'm gonna put an inception boir in it and see if anyone gets the reference and says, "Oh, oh, this is happening then." I still haven't seen that movie. The boir is kind of funny. I expect it will be, but everyone's hyped it so much. I still feel like I'm about six months off being able to watch it. Also, to be honest, uh, the premise doesn't really make me go. I want to watch this. I don't know what the premise is. That's Everyone just went, oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah, so much. I've heard That's like it. three or four different reviews for it. And yeah. um, I would think, uh, so one of the thoughts I had about winding up episodes like this is always really hard. So one of the things I thought was, uh, what would you want to play in future? Um, as in, either a one-shot or a character or um, an accent or something that you want to do in future. Dark Heresy run by someone else. <laughs> no. I only DM it because I want to play it. <laughs> Not going to happen. Uh, I'd like to do the laundry. I'd like to do the laundry. Oh, yeah. With a particular character. Oh, God. Who will bring quality and control to the situation. I will applaud when you get eaten by the feeders in the night. <laughs> I think I will find specifically... the feeders in the late evening. I will specifically summon <laughs> feeders just to kill you. They can't come and get me. I've got the paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what do you want to play in the future? Character, game, genre? All of them, everything. You want to play a femme fatale, though, don't you? But you've got an Acton Cthulhu book. Yes! Bought because of the woman on the front of the book. That... Yes, that looks yeah. like so the much cover fun. Art is really... Yeah, ignore all the Ian Brady books. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, and it's a history. And it's a period of history. I, I bought yeah. that because of the cover art. Let's see. Because it's so nice, but it is a really good book for inspiration. Well. I see that. That just that to me is basically just mm. um. Well, we've that all is seen what anime. I want to look like. Yeah. We've all I seen anime. Like There's a fan for tell, and there are tentacles. Like yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, I want to look like that without what, the you know, When we look like we're seeing a Richie picture, the femme fatale does it just as well. <laughs> you just imagine Sue Perkins in that pose. Uh, Lauren McCall. I'm specifically playing to to case oh. Yeah, but this book's sticky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep it on the same table that I keep my dildos. What do you expect? <laughs> You're not supposed to sit on it. Also, it's a period of history I'm just totally geek out about. It was a mm. messy day. Yeah. <laughs> Put 
towel. The only on. problem is I can't. It's how my fault. I do what I want. <laughs> how the fuck do you pronounce the the SS occult division thingy? The upper one. Blah blah blah. blah. If, this, you, the, if you if you mispronounce it, I can pronounce it properly for you. I can't. I, I okay, can't. It's, it's such a long word that I can't even take a guess. It like I need to watch Hellboy again. Did he research what Adam tells us what he wants to play in the future? Honestly, I haven't got a clue. I don't think I've actually ever considered possibilities more. To me, it's more a case of when you say, okay, this is what we're going to do, that's when I sort of go, this might work. Oh, and I'll generally, I'll generally come up with a character on the spot for that. Like this time, obviously, you gave, uh, for, for Doors, you basically gave me, okay, so this is your character's origin sort of thing. Mm. And from that, I had to come up with everything else. Mm. So it's like I, mm. I had the you know the hidden secret thing that nobody knows, and mm. I had to sort of work around nobody that. Knows. Yeah, um, because otherwise, I think I would fall into the trap of making the really in-depth background character and shit that just then wouldn't fit. To be fair, Rue's background wasn't really in-depth. It was just well, no, I'm hardcore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I read that and it was just like. Oh, this changes everything. <laughs> um, last time I created a character from scratch, I um, wrote a seven-page and still expanding backstory world. Everything was that the guy from the desert thing? The, yeah, yeah, I so want to play him at some point in his world. I may have to run a game just so I can run that world. He would work for Numenera. It's well. so fucking fleshed out at this point. They've got the entire culture, background, history, gods, everything. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I realised that, that doing that was pointless because it doesn't always work. So what I tried to do with Rue was just very strong kind of emotional motivation from where he came from, mm. but very fuzzy on details. But yeah, the de- I, th- I think that, that has to be it, because like you'll you'll come up with a really detailed backstory or whatever, and it's not... And But as you play the character, you'll settle into them more, and you'll get to know them more, and you'll, mm. you'll wish that you hadn't come up with those details that you've established now. Yeah, that's kind of what I mean with Gimbal. It's like literally, is a lot of stuff that happens to him is dictating things that turn up in his his in his background and his history and stuff like that. Which I I find it's it's like getting to know him while playing the game, which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. So it's like I can't think of any games or characters that I'd like to play because I like making those discoveries while playing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there a genre that we haven't hit or that we've not done enough that you want to really go for? Um. I'd like to try a bit more Call of Cthulhu in a more serious setting rather than Cockthulhu. We should play Acton Cthulhu. Acton Cthulhu, Cthulhu yeah. would, would, would pretty much scratch the Dark Heresy yeah. itch. Or Paul Cthulhu as well. I mean, that's system, but the, specifically the setting the of Acton, the, so the, sort of, the World War II and the occult. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, I've, I've, I've got the back catalogue. It's, it's dark, it's, it's gritty, we can have fun in it, it's historical. And it's punching Nazis. And it's punching Nazis and probably fighting zombie dogs and, you know, all of that goodness mm. with machine guns that I know way too much about. <laughs> yeah, see, that, that's where I think I would have difficulties because I don't know that much. It about tells those. you it all in that book. Oh, sorry. It's just it like, tells you everything, including all you need to know is I have a submachine gun. Only, only I feel the need to say... Well, I've got the P38 machine gun, but I don't have the 28 round clip. I've got the later 38 round clip that came in, but it's not got the folding stock. It's got the wooden stock, which was manufactured in 1941 onwards, based off the Italian. Now, I am the only person who needs to be I have never felt so aroused in your presence before. <laughs> <laughs> just, just saying. <laughs> 
this is why I think we should be playing the laundry files because it's possible to have that level of detail. It's like, but you're not certified for use on firearms, but here's this eldritch weapon that can turn someone yeah. stone and explode them. <laughs> okay, this is, I think this is how you pronounce it. Arnon Erber. How, how do you spell it? Arnon Erber is the court division of the Nazis. Arnon Erber. That was an actual real thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's, uh, there's, there's like several um, uh, schlosses in, in Germany where there's um, like the basements and, and various like where the turrets are t- t- like repurposed and have um, loads of uh, occult markings and there's like you know uh, the geometry of them was sort of reshaped and whatever by that right. group to um, conduct their ceremonies and orgies in. Mm. Right. Uh, but speaking of ceremonies and orgies, the game I, I'm looking forward to as well as the laundry running the laundry is the game that. Katie's going to run for us. What's it called? Velvet Glove. Yes. Which is yet to be Kickstarter. So we've got like uh, the early rules for it, uh, which is published as a little pamphlet type thing, and then the Kickstarter will come later. Uh, but it's where Kate will run it as the GM, and we will play a group of teenage inner city gang girls. Oh my god. In the 1970s, in the rough 1970s, kind of like the Warriors. <laughs> But chicks. Warrior, come out and play. Yeah. It's, it's, it's specifically, you know, the, the, the gang of girls that sort of almost kills the warriors in it? No, I've never they, actually they, seen the movie. They think they're going to score and all that sort of stuff, and then they just start bringing out the knives and whatever. They try and get them drunk and high and then and try and kill them. Um, we're playing that gang. <laughs> like, that, that particular setting. And I think that would be absolutely fucking amazing. <laughs> oh, God, I'll have to. Lunch. I'll have to learn how to run a game. How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> With difficulty. <laughs> just, just practice. Get about 12 dozen cats and then try Please. and herd them <laughs> like sheep. I'm a cat whisperer. I'll be fine. We've mentioned cats. We've lost Kate. That's why now. Yeah, if you've ever owned cats, you know how to herd them. You, like, open, you open like... a tin of food and you walk into the next room. I would like to take, take this chance to point out to you all that I own the greatest tea cozy in the whole world. You do? I've been admiring it. <laughs> it's the best. It makes a really good hat. Uh, really I, I want to make a real one by hollowing out an actual cat. I once heard something, <laughs> I agree entirely with this, that if you put someone in a room on their own with nothing, like white walls, nothing in there apart from them and a tea cozy, if at some point during their stay in that room they don't wear that tea cosy as a hat, they are not a trustworthy yeah. human being. <laughs> I, I can't, I, we can't they are also they are also insane. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I, I had a similar human test when I was uh, a carpenter. It was on my stall. I had two um, two big wooden things. One was a, a huge like a Zweihander sword um, that was two kilos, uh, balanced exactly the same as an actual steel Zweihander, and weighed almost the same. Um, but it was about five and a half foot tall, and I had a four foot tall um, mallet bound with lead and a spike on the top and all sorts of things. It was just beefy bit of wood on a stick, um, and both of them were forty quid. And I said, if you can pick it up and not smile for thirty seconds, it's yours. I never gave one away. <laughs> <laughs> You, it got I'm to the point smiling where you could, just thinking of yeah, picking one up. It got to the point where you could I allowed people to nominate someone else to do it for them who wasn't interested in having it. <laughs> Never worked. <laughs> Alright. Any final thoughts? Uh, just, just kind of things I'd like to play. In the, um, 
what attracted me to Dread so much was I loved the idea of playing something as visual as a Jenga tower on the radio. I mm. loved that idea. And so I kind of want to explore that further with maybe playing some other board games that have, that can easily be translated to a radio. So, Trista. for example... <laughs> I'm not sure how... Well, actually, roleplay and Twister the last has been time connected I, for quite that's some time, that's but a bit not different. on the podcast. The last time um, I played Twister with someone, I had to marry her. <laughs> uh, but no, so stuff like uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham, maybe, I think would make potentially make an interesting... Mm. Game make Munchkin. I kind of want to explore like maybe playing some things. games that aren't traditionally <laughs> I don't think I've played Twister since. Yeah. Aren't traditionally kind of like radio theme like good for radio but making them. So mm. like Zombicide, for example. I think if you were to role play Zombicide instead of just looking at it as a straight mechanics mm. game, I think that could actually be really fun. Is that the one where like one guy controls all the zombies and everyone else has individual players and it's uh, well, the way in which it actually works is the, the mechanics of the game control the zombies. So you can have one person who does it to make it easier, but ultimately you can play it like you can play it one player if you want, because the zombies do stuff right in a set sequence of, of rules. I so, would love to play something like a zombie survival and just have it really bloody and brutal. And I zombies did have yeah. as well. We we discussed um, on an episode that may or may not air. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it has aired. I don't know if it's still waiting to be done um, because of audio problems but it's where we were talking about zombie games and we raised the, the idea oh, yeah. of is there a zombie game that allows you to play as the zombies and yes. there is and we I've got it uh, it's called I Am it. Zombie and it's fucking amazing and like there's there's a box uh, set that they put out which is not a simple pick up and play thing it's a, mm. you know, it's, it's a pretty complex thing but it's very different from the published game that comes in a book because it is supposed to be turn up, don't roll any characters. The GM has to know everything about how to roleplay this thing and how to run the game because there's a lot of optional bits and things you may not use. and So it's very complicated for the GM. The players, though, get five cards. And the cards are your personality. And they're all good things first. They're like, if you're, uh, you might be um, uh, a, a, a bruiser. But the good thing is, is that you don't have to solve your problems with fists because you're so imposing. You can just like calm everyone down because no one wants to fuck with you. But as you get injured, you flip the card over, and so it's like your best self and your worst self. So it's now it's like enough talking, time for pounding, you know. Uh, or it's like uh, you're someone who can um, charm the birds out of the trees, and now it's you're a manipulative ass. But the idea is you're all infected, and you start off as normal people, as breathers, uh, and then you uh, become the zombies. But in the full game. Uh, you can actually start off as various stages of zombie, um, and it's like it's it's you versus the breathers out there and whatever. It's like, well, are you taking over the world? Are you going to die out? Or so it's like becomes a bit more interesting, a bit more like Fallout, I think. Devil take over the world. Sorry, I saw that. To... <laughs> <laughs> Done. We out. <laughs> Title music was Grind by John Paul Jones. If you'd like to get in touch with us and talk about anything you heard in this episode, you can email us, swordnutradio at gmail.com, swordnutradio at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at swordnutradio, or you can get in touch with me and the rest of the cast on Facebook. Alternatively, go to the geographical centre of Ealing Common in London, sit on a crystal stool, and meditate on the idea of a walnut and a sabre for four hours. Once you've done that, write your message in silver ink 
on paper made from Pixie's wings. Take your Pixie paper to the nearest crunchy fried chicken outlet and have them deep fry it. I'll get the message. Now here's some bloopers. Thanks for listening. Jesus. Uh, I, just like, I just like the idea of you. We're going to take over the world. <laughs> so um, what are we going to do tonight, Brian? <laughs> uh, and I'm getting every night, Pinky. Trying to take over the world. There's at least one of them with Tommy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tommy's got to uh, make an appearance, I reckon. I've got soy milk. You have no milk. Why do I have real milk? In case you wanted to kill yourself. <laughs> I took a can of lighter fuel um, in a suitcase <laughs> yeah, to the airport because uh, pre 9 11, I'd never had an issue with it and nobody had ever cared. After 9 11, I got to Japan, didn't have any, any fuel from the Zippo, bought a can and went, oh, I'll just take it with me. And in the airport, it goes, oh, it's something you buy, can you open it up? And he stood there, kind of like, oh, I'm taking it all out and then hand it over. And it goes to me, mate, and mate's like, oh, fuck me, that was intense. I was like, what do you mean? Did you not see what he was doing? No. He had his hand on his gun the entire time. It was like, like, like poised to shoot me in the face in case I tried it. That's standard off. I know. If you have a gun, you put your hand on it because the point of having a gun is that you're ready to use it. If yeah, you haven't got it's... your hand on your gun, you might as well not really have the gun. Yeah. Mm. I mean, look at me. Do I look... Alright, fair enough. I was about to say, do I look like a terrorist? But then again, you've not seen my driver's license. You do look reasonable. Do I look like someone who could kill everyone in the room? I look like an angry ghost in Just, just say... That is hilarious! So I, didn't, I didn't look I didn't when you said my bit was down here, and what was in my head was far funnier than anything you could have done. <laughs> it was baked, bushy, and freshly blow dried. Like a small badger hugging my groin. And the only reason, the only reason I finally went to a hairdresser was because Becky offered to pay for the appointment. That's one thing that I've always hated. I'm not paying for somebody to fuck up my hair because <laughs> I'm British, and I'll sit there and go, "Yeah, yeah, that's lovely. Thanks." I fucking hate myself. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I, I fully endorse the nightmare that you've introduced to back of my head. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I came prepared. Do you know what I, was like? I made notes based on your agenda. Oh my god! Eroticism. Do you know who's a major erotic photographer? Leonard Nimoy. <gasps> is he really? He that was. Is joyous. And Hobbit fancier. He was a, the he was a massive. I went to his website and I was like, oh, I will never look at Spock the same way. <laughs> To be fair, there were enough people who wanted to take their clothes off for him anyway. You yeah. might as well make a sign like that. <laughs> yeah. But he was one of those sort of slightly kinky Renaissance men from the 70s, you know. Yeah. Art and art nudes and lots of girlfriends and all sorts of things. I read a little bio and I'm not, I could never To be fair, read I'm pretty biography. sure half of it was that thing he could do with his hand. <laughs> oh dear that god. She's not special. <laughs> that didn't feature in, that would in be the shocking photography. <laughs> I think that was definitely it right. Be, oh yeah. It's like it's like it's literally this is what the original vibrators are based on. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's that surely. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's the shocker. Yeah. Well, that's the shocker. That that would be deeply upsetting. <laughs> it's the trifactor. <laughs> Moving. Are we recording yet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Always recording. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, we all started making funny you faces. You made me laugh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> laugh, clown, laugh. <laughs> it's the prayers of podcast gods that makes the things work. I pray. Okay. You'll pray to that. <laughs> pray to my false idol, damn you. 
I am. I was going to say, I finally thought this week. I was like, I am an apostate. <laughs> Welcome. Hi. Hi. Mm. We have badges. No, we get to be stoned to death with stones. It's really specific. True. So you will stone them to death with stones. So, so there must have been. Just one stoner got... in the corner going, hey guys, not dead yet. <laughs> like, yeah, we'll stone you to death with feathers because we don't want to kill you. That sort of thing. And so someone tried to loophole it. I'm dead. Now. Away. Stone me to death. I have with boobies! <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. It'd be an interesting experience. <laughs> After several hours of it, you get it. Just, that bit in, uh, just death by motorboat. The of life, where that man is chased to death by naked women. Yes. <laughs> what way go? Is that the thing that you showed me? Oh my god, it was amazing. It was the only good part of that day. Steve Perry, Steve Perry, Steve Perry, and the Steve Perry project. We ended up talking about mathematical determinism, didn't we? Mm. Into a fancy dress, dressed as the goddamn thing. Sorry, I thought I'd put that on the side. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, another, actually, another really great series is Adult uh, Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday Day. Adult, Adult Wednesday Adams. Wednesday yes. Adams, yes. And she's really hard yes. to find now because whoever it's owns amazing. the rights to the uh, family Adams or whatever, um, basically. The Adams family. Yeah, the Adams family. Took the threatened to take it to court, so she had to take it all down. She's, she's my still, idol, you must get she's it. She's still right. out there, <laughs> and it, the con- it's brilliant. It's just, that what would she funny. be like it's really good. now she's grown up? Incredibly it's sexy. <laughs> It's everything I ever wanted to be. <laughs> Did you ever see Chris, uh, Christina Ritchie dressed up like Morticia Adams? Yes. No. Yeah. No, I'm about to. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the rap video? No. You will find my wife sexy. If you if you if you've seen the rap video, <laughs> yes, dear. She would get the happy part of the <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I'm getting that. I'm getting that printed, <laughs> and that's, that's my marriage over. The thing is, before it's even begun, excellent. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a great Marilyn, there's a great Marilyn Manson story in which he was talking about the fact that these times like debaucherous parties and stuff after gigs and stuff. And one of the, um, he always used to try and sort out his crew. And he talks to one of his sound engineers. Sometimes they call the double word scores, triple word scores. Yeah. <laughs> and, he goes, and, he, and he says, I think he's one of his sound engineers. He goes, kind of, what do you want? What can, we get, what can we sort out for you? And he goes, oh, I've always really wanted to sleep with a deaf girl. And he's like, why? Well, because you could just be saying anything to her. <laughs> as blue and as dirty as you like, and she'll never hear it. And he was like, okay. So he organised it for him. He was privy to some of it. And he said, I had to leave the room because it was even too blue for me. <laughs> It's not the rock stars who are the depraved ones, it's the roadies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine that if, if the rock stars are like, taking the cream off the top, the roadies are just like the navy. <laughs> you know, anything, anything with a pulse. It, to be fair, optional. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to digress and stuff. Because uh, we haven't got much to talk about. Oh, um, like we need permission. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, the hard thing is actually going to be keeping us on topic. Also, yeah. we've got the hard things that we can crunch as well. No. Mm, yes, no. we do. Yeah, we do. They're there. We all have specific They're respect. fancy Marks and Spencers, Chris. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> they, they could be Michael Jackson's fucking Chris. Especially for you guys. <laughs> With extra pedophilia. I, yeah, no, I don't want to Michael Jackson. That's for science. That just sounds like... They're not pedophilia. That sounds like, like bits well, of the Michael Jackson stuff. No. No, okay, now I'm curious as to what pedophilia flavor would be. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, Pedophilia flavour is a bit like a wine you've just bottled. It needs more time to mature. Does it taste? <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Did I hear that from somewhere, or have I just made it up? Can I take credit for that? <laughs> do it, do it. Do it. Yes. And it didn't smell very strongly of vinegar. <laughs> there is no sugar in this. I should yeah. not be coming. I think that's probably the mistake. Yeah. I tuned in at the wrong point of that. <laughs>